Welcome back to the Blue Line Millennial Podcast. Joining me in studio today, Dave Norman uh, with True Kinetics. We're going to get into what True Kinetics is and what it does for uh, the law enforcement community and really anybody who needs uh, really solid uh, training from a, a former pipe hit and SWAT dude. Uh, Dave, how's things, man? Things are good, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thank you for coming out. Um, so I kind of screwed you over. I only gave you a couple minutes to think this one through, man. But uh, my first question to everybody, uh, more or less, is uh, you can have a drink with anybody, living or dead. Who is it and what are you drinking? All right. So I had about three minutes. To you had about, about three minutes, three whole minutes to think about it. Come on now. So I tell you what, man, I am obsessed with the Kennedy assassination. Okay. I'm obsessed with it. I'd like to sit down with Lee Harvey Oswald. No shit. You know what? So, dude, that's a fucking great answer. As a detective, I think that it would be fucking cool to sit down with some of these hardened criminals. Because that dude knows. Oh, yeah. That dude knows. He knows what's up. Right? I don't think it was him. That dude knows. And I'm obsessed with it. I want to know. Just why? What happened? So, did it it come from the grassy knoll or did it come from the the gutter? Uh, I'm thinking grassy knoll. Thinking the grassy knoll. I I remember talking to somebody about the Kennedy assassination. And he's going up... Uh, it's like National Street or something like that in Dallas. And this dude, Lee Harvey Oswald, is a had been like a Marine scout sniper or right. something along those lines. Well, uh, he was a Marine. He was a Marine, he, not yeah. not a sniper, but right. uh, every Marine a rifleman. Right. Uh, and uh, where Kennedy was shot was on a road that was basically at a, at a downward angle and the road curved. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, there was a tunnel not too far ahead. But Lee Harvey Oswald from the book depository had essentially an open line of sight when Kennedy was traveling in a straight line at whatever, five miles an hour towards him, towards him. And then you mean to tell me that some dude whose sole purpose is to assassinate the president of the United States is not going to take the easy shot. He's going to take the hardest fucking shot that he can. Right. Hardest shot cornering away. Right. That's the hardest shot a sniper can take. Correct. You know, you're going to have so. to tell me, man, the, the, the long range stuff is like fucking space magic to me. I don't quite yeah. understand it. If it's got to be within like a hundred yards, I'm, I'm good all day long. Well, if any of my <laughs> sniper buddies listening to this, they're rolling their eyes right now because I shouldn't be saying shit about <laughs> snipers, but, uh, but yeah, quartering away, that's a tough shot. Okay. And, and all right. He t- and he takes that shot out of that piece of shit rifle. Yeah. Out of a fucking Carcano rifle, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yep. And the Carcano rifle was built in something like 1880 or 1890 oh, yeah. like we had shit you even had the remington 700 to pick from and that i think was like the cream of the crop in the 60s right. and and yeah you're gonna take a, a shot with a 80 year old yeah like random caliber rifle nah yeah. I, I, yeah. and perform like an all-star exactly you know? yeah i don't believe it yeah. i just don't believe it and the, but then you gotta wonder like why right what and the wounds are consistent with the you know right. the, the, whole, the whole bit the whole conspiracy theory which you know there's probably people going oh my god it's conspiracy theorists but i think there's something to it yeah and and i just want to know why i'm not even saying it's a bad thing i'm not saying it's a good thing i'm not saying it's a bad thing i just want to know why i want to know what happened yeah you know it's yeah. a huge part of american history man. oh it fuck changed, yeah it is changed a lot of things i was talking uh my buddy ryan years ago ryan q i don't know if he's listening to this or not but i remember him saying something like if it and and again, not to make it sound like a positive thing, but if Kennedy hadn't been assassinated, would we have gone to the moon? Right. Because I know he issued the proclamation, but after his death, I have to feel as though there was some sort of uh, uh, great like resurgence at NASA and and on with the nation as a whole to being like, oh shit, right. well hey, we got to do this for old boy. Cause we, so we got to go up go up to the space rock and yeah. and uh, but there are people who think that we didn't right. go to the moon either. So the about the Kennedy assassination is about I think the only conspiracy theory I can get behind. Yeah, it's a big one, man. It's a big one. I've read a lot about it. 
and a lot of different varying sure. conspiracy theories, but every one of them comes with a conspiracy behind it, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Kennedy was doing a lot of good things. Yep. A lot of questionable things. A lot of questionable <laughs> things, you know? I mean, he, he treated that White House like a bordello, man. Yeah, well, like, fuck that, yeah, that he dude, did. That dude had, <laughs> he had some... Some issues, man. They, uh, you know? they probably cleaned the Oval Office. Uh, uh, it's probably scrubbed clean, but I have to imagine if you took like a, a black light or forensic light source that it, oh, uh, oh, oh Jesus, God. like, whew. Power. You guys ever been black light painting before? Power, dude. So Biggest aphrodisiac, man, yeah. power. So. so Lee Harvey Oswald, that's a new one. Yeah. I, I just came up with it. I didn't have a whole, long No, I, I fucked it, you so. on that one, yeah, dude. I didn't give you a whole lot of time. Before we started, and I asked Dave that question, and he was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to need some time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, we'll, we'll get into the conversation, and then I'll come back to it. And then uh, sometimes I forget what I said two seconds ago, and then I screwed Dave. But, hey, knocked it out of the park with that answer. All That's right. a pretty good answer. Lee man. Harvey Oswald, what would we drink, though? I mean, he's a, he's a Russian. Is he Russian? Is yeah, he Russian? Russian? Yeah. Yeah, he was. was. He Russian? No, I think, I think oh, he shit. spent some time in Russia. Anyways, we'll probably yeah. drink some vodka. Drink some vodka. All right, All right, fair enough. Some chilled vodka out of the freezer. Yeah, you know, like you do. Yeah. Right from Mother Russia. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's somebody in Russia right now listening, like, fuck you guys. <laughs> right now, Dave and I are drinking Angel's Envy. We polished off my yes, bottle. Sir. So, cheers hey, cheers, that. man. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, I don't often get the excuse to uh, drink bourbon in good company. So, I started a podcast, but there you go. <laughs> Any excuse. So, uh, Dave, you did 23 years with, uh, with Phoenix Police Department. Yes, sir. Uh, your career, you did a whole lot of really cool high-speed shit, but where did it all start, man? Where'd you grow up? All right, started up, uh, let's see, grew up in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Um, what brought me out to Arizona in the first place, I ran track in college. Okay. It's kind of a big fish in a little pond uh, back at Virginia Commonwealth University, and uh, kind of wanted to see how I could do in a, in a big pond. So I came out to the Pac-10, it was Pac-10 back then. And uh, I was a decathlete in college. So. Okay. So I, I was definitely a very small fish in a huge pond. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty damn average. But uh, but honestly, track and field is what got me through college. I wasn't much of a student, wasn't super motivated in that area. But I tell you what, I, ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a cop. You know. So uh, right when I was done with my eligibility, applied with Phoenix and uh, got hired right away. And boom, probably 10 years into it, I'm like, holy shit. I live in Phoenix now. Yeah. You know, I call my mom and dad. <laughs> Fuck, like, it's hot out here. <laughs> yeah. I call mom and dad. I'm like, Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't come home. You know, like I was, you know, I didn't realize this was like a permanent thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, you bought me a plane ticket 10 years ago. My bad guys. Yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot to get on the plane there. I was yeah. working. Yeah. I think I was arresting somebody at that yeah. point in time. Were there any thoughts of, uh, ha had you ever considered going back to Virginia or la even like as a lateral transfer or. Dude, I didn't. Um, and, you know, talking about the weather, I do love the weather out here. I mean, it's hot as shit right now, yeah. but let's face it, I'm, I'm wearing shorts and flip-flops in December, right. so I dig it out here. And even for, for everybody who thinks that Arizona is a scorching wasteland, which you're right for like five months out of the year, um, yesterday, right, July, it's supposed to be hot as shit, but we got a pretty decent monsoon so far this year. I think it was like 86 degrees outside. It was humid. Yeah. And I live in the dry desert as opposed to Florida. Well, I don't live in Florida for a lot of reasons, but I live in the dry desert because I hate humidity. Um, but even still, yesterday I walked outside. I was like, oh, this is pleasant weather that we're having. You know, I tell you what, growing up in Virginia, summertime, you're talking about 90s, mm -hmm. but 90% humidity. Ugh. You know? 
I don't want any part of that. Yeah. And not everybody's a pool in their backyard like they do here. Right. Right. You can yeah, it's it's a That's rarity for, to not have a pool in your backyard in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Only fancy people in Virginia have pools in the backyard. <laughs> and do they freeze in the wintertime? Yeah. Uh, yeah, then you got to worry about the, all the pipes and stuff. That's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Sorry, guys in Virginia, but yeah, no, y'all can have that shit. I don't want any part of it. No. I, I'll keep my temperate climate that occasionally we have tornadoes, but that, you know, that doesn't ever really affect the the main valley, just stays out in the on the fringes there. But yeah. I don't know, man. Was the, uh, so you became a cop. What was the catalyst? Like you said, you always wanted to be a cop, but like, what's your earliest memory of being like, hot damn, I want to do that? You know, man, I, uh, I got kind of a unique story with that. Okay, send it. Um, we're going to, we're about to go down a rabbit hole. Let's and do I, it. And I didn't think about didn't think about going down down this rabbit hole until you just asked. But, hey, chase um, the rabbit, dude. Let's yeah, do it. Here we go. So, dude, I I don't know what it is, right? No one in my family was law enforcement, fire, military. Where most cops come from a law enforcement, fire, military sure. type family, right? And uh, you know, my dad was an attorney, um, and a good one. Um, my mom stayed at home, you know, she was a teacher until she had my, you know, my, my brother. And then, so anyways, uh, so it's odd. So I was adopted. Right? Okay. Known that my whole life really didn't know anything about, you know, my adopted family or, you know, my, my, my biological family. Right. Didn't know anything. And, uh, I'll make a very long story as short as possible, but, uh, about what, Four, four and a half years ago, my wife bought me one of those, uh, or a girlfriend at the time, bought me one of those Ancestry DNA kits. Oh, you, you want to talk about going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, here we go. Um, buys me one of these. And I just, seeing the commercials, I just thought, hey, it's going to tell me where I'm from, right? You see the commercials back then, it was like, hey, I'm, who knew I was Italian? Right, da, 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 right. And I'm like, cool, because people ask me, hey, what nationality are you? I, dude, I have no idea, right? And then they're all the questions that come up after that. Mm -hmm. So, so, Hey, yeah. So I spit in this thing and send it off and I forget about it. And a few months later it comes back and I'm like, no shit, look at this, you know, and open up the app and I see on there, I'm predominantly Irish. I'm like 90 something percent Irish. Like this, who knew I was Irish, right? Irish cop. No yeah. way. Cool. You know, I called a couple of my Irish cop buddies be like, dude, I'm Irish. I can celebrate with you now for real. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and my wife says, Hey, uh, Look in that app a little bit further. I think it tells you more. Okay. Start digging down through the app and it connects you with people that you have DNA in common yep. with. Yep. And, and holy shit, I got a hit on there. It's a first cousin. It's off the charts. Well, right? And now I'm like, oh my God, this is starting. Right. Right. Because I've always wondered and, uh, you know, about my biological, you know, mother. Now, keep in mind, dude, I am super close with my mom and dad. Right. Super close. But it's just always a thought because you're an adopted kid and you you think about those things, yeah, right? Yeah, and uh, and so I uh, send that person an email, like, "Hey, dude, here's my story," and I give them the information that I have, which, to save you a long story, was kind of misinformation, right? The person said this, this doesn't ring a bell. So uh, a friend of ours is, you know, kind of a, I don't want to say a PI, but very good at investigating these kinds of things, and uh, I put him on the case. And again, making a very long story short, he calls me one night and says, hey, um, check out this dude's Facebook page. I think this might be a brother of yours. And so I look at this dude's Facebook page, and it's his wedding. It's pictures of his wedding. And uh, um, he's obviously doing the, the, 
the the what is it the son mother dance sure you know what yeah, yeah, is, right? yeah no there's a name for that and i zoom in on her and i'm like no shit because i had had a picture of her and that, that's all i had ever had was a picture of my biological mother taken about a month before i was born obviously you know it's an old picture she looks very sad that that kind of thing and I think maybe the way the picture aged or the lighting looked like she had red hair, but this lady had like blonde hair, mm-hmm. right? But it was clearly her, no doubt about it. And I said, my God, that's her. So, uh, you know, make a, try to take the emotion out of it, right? And uh, so he sets up, he contacts her and says, hey. And she kind of knew because of the little investigation that I might be out there looking for her. Yeah, yeah. And, uh so put us in contact, right? And I'm cutting out a lot of fluff. Um, puts us in contact. And so now I'm, I have a phone number. I call her. I'm calling my biological mother. I'm 40-something years old and calling her for the first time. It's something I've only dreamed of, right? Yeah. I've imagined, you know. And uh, she answers knowing it's, it's me calling. And, you know, neither of us can really talk much for the first couple minutes. And the first thing she says did you have good parents? And so now I can't talk again for another right. couple of minutes. Right. Yes. I had outstanding parents. Like I won the fucking lottery, oh, you yeah. know, with my, with my family, you know? And then she said, who are you? What are you? Right. And when someone asks you that, you know, what am I? I'm a cop, right? Through and through. I'm a yeah, cop. It's part of our identity. Yeah, it is absolutely who I am through and through. I'm a cop. And I said to her, mom, I'm a police officer with Phoenix Police Department. And, you know, as cops do, we've heard some mothers cry, like that sorrow kind of cry, mm-hmm. right? And I'm hearing that. Like, she is bawling, right? And I just give it a second, you know? Like, is she happy about that, sad about that? And uh turns out that she was a cop. Oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah. Worked for Illinois uh, State Police for okay. about, I want to say, 11 years or so before she, she stopped. And, uh, and here's the kicker, um, her father, so my biological grandfather, um, 27 years with Chicago PD. Hot damn. And was killed in line of duty. Um, yeah, so, dude, <laughs> brother, that hit home. Yeah, I can't yeah. even begin to imagine what that's that, like. Uh, that answered some questions. Yeah. You know, that, that answered some deep questions that have been gnawing at me for a long time, you know. Stuff that you don't even, you know, talk to dudes about, you know, it's just something that in your own thoughts after certain shit, like, why, why am I doing this? Yeah. You know? And it's something that has always driven me. And, uh, when they say it's in the blood, there it is, bro. It's in the blood. Yeah. You know, what, what, uh, uh, to, for anybody listening, I met Dave now about, Oh, 25 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm going to ask him a deeply personal question. Did she, uh, give you any explanation as to what led to you being adopted dude she was young she was 16 okay you know 1972 when you're 16 years old you do what your parents say yeah and uh they said you're going down to richmond virginia and gonna you know have me put me up for adoption they're gonna work that out and they're gonna come back like no one knows any better you know so that's kind of what you know that's kind of the deal and i know that's a huge source of pain for her now sure um which just made it even better that we connected and, yeah and that kind of thing you know where is she still out in illinois yeah yeah chicago area and how's your guys relationship now 
Good. 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 You know, we, uh, we chat every so often, um, and, uh, text and yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's nice. You know, it's nice. It's tough. You know, about, I have my mom and dad Yeah, and, uh, and I have a relationship there and, um, and, uh, I'm just, how fortunate am I, you know? And then the, her three boys were so excited that I was around, you know, and I keep in touch with them, you know, have a group text with them texting all the time and stuff. Yeah. And they're all, each one is just so fucking solid, dude. Like super bright. I like way brighter than me. Like, I like, I, I clearly didn't get the brains here, you know, like, <laughs> Like I'm athletic, but at least you, you didn't know. find out you're related to Lee Harvey Oswald. I'd <laughs> yeah, be like, go. "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> be like, but, we're not gonna fucking tell anybody about this. Yeah. But dude, I, I'm, I'm, I just look at, it. I'm so fortunate, man. Like that was, you know, an amazing to be able to, you know, wrap that story up. And, Absolutely. And and one of my, you know, big life's mysteries, and it's answered, and it answered a shit ton of other questions for me, mm-hmm. just like that. That you know? uh, that ancestry dot com that is a, uh, a powerful tool yeah. when it's used, when you use it right. And you, and you know, okay, I got to get into the details and the nitty gritty. Oh, when we get done with this down in, in that drawer, that bottom, uh, right drawer right there are, uh, birth certificates, death certificates, and marriage certificates on back into the early 1800s that, uh, uh, my dad's mom, wow. My uh, paternal grandmother gave to me. Um, cause when my kid was born is about the time, that my ancestry DNA kit came back. Wow. Um, worked out great because I was off work for seven weeks. And so I turned into the fucking psychotic guy with the red string and the whiteboard everywhere. And I, you want to talk about going down rabbit holes, yeah, man. what else are you going to do when it's two o'clock in the morning, your kids sleep for now. Cause you already fed him. Uh, and you're trying to let your wife sleep. Well, shit, dude, you want to know where you come from? Absolutely. You want to know. I think it's important. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it, it uh, uh, and Irish, no less. Congratulations. Yeah. I, I'm Irish, but not as Irish. Yeah. Uh, I knew that most of my family came from uh, uh, England. But, I mean, you talk about answering questions. Um, I was ended up able to trace back. I don't, I, I don't know shit about my, my mom's side of the family. I knew my grandfather was from Canada, but his family had all immigrated from Norway. Um, I was able to get back to the, the village in Norway where my family came from. And wow. then, and then trail goes cold from there. So like it's on my to-do list for about my, what year does that trail go cold? Like 1790. <laughs> and it's crazy to go back that far. I mean, cause yeah. you look at like, like shipping manifests and if somehow there was, you know, they managed to keep copies of all this shit, especially into like European history, right. you can go back wicked far. Like, I think the farthest I got back, um, on my, I think the farthest I got back at all was like 16 something. Um, because there's just, you look at like England and there's all tax documents and, um, again, all these like marriage certificates and, right. and all this shit. So, right. uh, it, it's crazy, um, to get back into, but I ended up figuring out that I've got on my mom's side again, like my mom's one of five. So my cousins, like we are, we're all from California. I grew up with all of my cousins. Um, and so I was, it was, I never really thought at the global picture right. Or yeah. thought of, you know, the, the bigger picture as it were ended up finding out that on my grandmother's side, my seventh great grandfather, Conrad stunts, uh, uh, long story short, got, he was a, like, I forget what military he'd been a part of in Europe, ended up getting conscripted by the British Royal army into the Hessian mercenary unit to come over here and 
fight the colonials. Uh, he and his brother defected, uh, stole British uniforms to like sneak out, uh, defected over to the Continental Army, and then Conrad Stuntz crossed the fucking Delaware to go and launch a surprise attack against his former military unit, which is kind of a dick move. But like, I read that and I'm like, holy shit, my fucking, Dude. my ancestor crossed the Delaware with Washington. Dude, like I got fucking hardcore. bald eagles flying out of my ears yeah, right now. Yeah, I, I want to stand and salute you. <laughs> I want to, it's I, I don't even like, I read that. I was like, going to my wife. I'm like, babe, you're not going to yeah. fucking believe that. And of course, like you have to temper your, you get back that far and you're like, okay, how accurate is it? Right. And I ended up, Going through about Who gives a shit how accurate it is. <laughs> Own that. I think I went through Own about that. nine or ten more yeah. sources and was able to to trace it back. Like holy yeah. fuck. Own it. Yeah. That's but that's the, outrageous. I, I know somebody whose ancestry.com, she and her husband did it. Um, and uh she ended up finding out big family secret was oh. yeah, was not a, a fun family secret to figure out. So right. um uh, well that that was the thing with um my biological mother. No one knew. So like her her cousins and whatnot, her family had no, no idea. Knew. Her mother knew and her father knew. Her father obviously was, my grandfather was killed in line of duty, right? Right. Those are the only people that knew. And then I come along and, you know, through the investigation, some phone calls were made, some inquiries made. Sure. And, and uh, I think a couple of different family members, like called her like, hey, does this sound familiar to her, to you? And she was like, oh, wow, he's out there, right? Yeah. Like, and she wanted me, you know, she wanted to meet, you know, yeah. she wanted to contact. But uh, when I first talked to her, still no one knew. And I said, hey, don't tell anybody. Right. I, yeah. All, yeah. all I ever wanted was just a conversation with you. That's the, like, if this is the only, this is the only contact we have is this phone call. I'm happy, you know, like stay on the phone with me for a little bit. Yeah. I, you know, I want to talk to you about some stuff, but. No, but, I don't want my I, car warranty click. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like I, I. Don't tell anybody. I don't want to blow up your life, right? And she said, nope, not a chance. And uh, that night, she called a little family meeting. She told her husband and uh, her three boys. And, I mean, you want to talk about amazing people right away. We want to meet them. This is amazing. Yeah. We're happy. Well, We're again, so she sorry. was 16. So, how yeah. can, you know, they're yeah. not, how can they be? Right. I, well, here I am saying, how can they be like assholes to her? But it, it's probably happened, right? Like, right. But and, and her husband is an amazing guy. I mean, this, you know, we text, I text with him. Sure. Right? And, and uh, I've, I mean, how welcome I was with open arms was, was uh, amazing, right? I keep saying amazing. It's just the word that I can come up with. Yeah. Right sometimes, now. hey, you man, know, sometimes it's, it's just, it. And that, and that probably doesn't even amazing probably doesn't even begin to describe it. Like there's, yeah. there are no words, right? Dude. Yeah. And then meeting her for the first time. Sure. Like hugging your mother for the, you know, your biological mother for the first time, you know, and I keep feeling like I need to say this. I am so close with my mom and dad, you know, right. My, they're right. my mom and dad. Right. I, I don't call her mom. Right. And, uh, um, but, uh, but I'm so I feel so fortunate to have that relationship now, and and uh, and the boys, and you know what's funny with her, what shocked me. I was so worried that her husband was going to get upset. How do you keep that from me? You know that kind of thing. And uh, I think the one of the first things he said to her, "I'm so sorry you had to hold on to that for so long." You know? Yeah. Wow. Like, damn. Like it says a lot about that man, doesn't it? Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty crazy man. So. Fucking ancestry.com. Yeah. You know, I, I say do it like fuck it. They put it on sale for like $99 around Christmas yeah. time or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, just do it. Just yeah. be prepared, like mentally prepared. If you have it, like 
any questions as to where you came from. Just the dude, we're, we're humans, man. Yeah. We're imperfect, dude. We 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 weave tangled webs, mm-hmm. you know. It, it's the it's the human experience. I mean, shit happens. Yeah, you know? and I think it's important to know where you where you came from. We were able to because my wife and I both did it, and her family, their uh, uh, their maiden name was uh, uh, was Rusin, um, and the story was something along the lines of when her ancestors immigrated from Russia through Ellis Island that the immigration officer didn't speak their language and they sure as fuck didn't speak English. And so they doing their best, like Rusin, Russian, like it all kind of sounds close or like Rushing is, is like a, some sort of occupation or trade. And, and so they thought like, Oh, or the last name is just lost to time and it got fucked up. turns out that's not accurate at all. Cause I was able to get the, uh, uh, their tickets that, and they weren't Russian at all. They were from Ukraine. Right. Um, but I was able to get their tickets on these steamers where they they went out to the nearest local port. And no, their their last name was was Rusin back in this little tiny village in Ukraine. Oh. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know. I mean, Ukraine's gonna, got a lot of turmoil going on right now with the Russians being there and saying they're not there. But uh, but yeah, man, I think it's on it's on the bucket list to go back and uh, into these little villages and see like right okay, did the villages keep good records? Because the little village that my family's from in England, that church has been there for hundreds of years. Right. Like I can get information there, but to see about, about these little towns. Uh, I am curious though, do you know anything about biological dad? Dude, I don't. Um, very little, actually. I, I know a little bit. Um, he passed away probably two, three years okay. uh, before I made contact with her. Um, and oops, oh, you're good. You're she's good. the one that told me about that. She said, hey, I'm sorry, but I hadn't even thought about him and, you know, 30 something years and you know, she Googled him and found his obituary, sent that to me. Mm-hmm. And so I looked that up and uh, you know, it's weird, man. I be an adopted kid. I don't know how other adopted kids uh, you know, think about things, but I never really thought about my biological father. It was always the mother. I think that's very common with kids that were adopted, you know, but literally where you came from, like yeah. all things considered, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. You know? So, yeah, man. So, you know, back to the question. I, I, uh, I'm a third generation Irish cop, you know, good knew? for you. Who knew? Yeah. Right. And, and here you are. Uh, and here I, here I am, man. And here you just, I again, it, it boggles the mind to just look at the path that, that had to be taken for you yeah. to, to get yeah. here. Right. Oh man. You know, and, uh, you know, and, and with my biological grandfather being killed in line of duty, right. Like that that rattled me a little bit, yeah. right? Like there's a sense of pride mm-hmm. with that. Um, obviously a little sense of sorrow with that. And then a little part of me like, fuck man, I roll the dice hard, you know, often. Yeah. Right. I just always have my whole career. Um, and especially in SAU, you know, doing what we were doing, especially the last few years. Right. Dude, we were, it was fucking gangbusters the last few years. So I started worrying, man, like, and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to continue that legacy, you know? Like right. I, I got little kids at home. Now, yeah. Man. Yeah. You gotta, don't, you don't want to keep <laughs> that one going. Let's yeah. keep the cop thing going, but not, yeah. not that latter part. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so kind of for the first time I started worrying between that and having kids, like started having a little sixth sense in the back of my head, Yeah, you know? So. Well, and then, I mean, my follow-up question, uh, with, with having kids and I've, I mean, I go back and forth on it now having my own son, but you want your kids to be cops? Oh man, that's a tough question. Um, 
if my kid, so I got two and a half year old right now, mm-hmm. if he was 20 right now, I'd say, don't do it. Not right now. I don't want to see my kid do it. Yeah. Right. Like I want other good people out there to get on the job and do it. Like I, I want us to continue, you know, pushing forward. It's got to be done. Right. I just don't want to give my kid to that. You know right. what I mean? Right. Right. Now. Um, but the pendulum will swing. Right. Yeah. Who knows? It has to. It I'm, has to. I'm four and a half years into this. Who knows? Yeah. When I retire in 21 more years right. or whatever, who <laughs> yeah. knows where I'm going to be at, yeah. right? <laughs> the pendulum will swing. So uh, I could reevaluate that later. But what's crazy to me is that, um, you know, I retired about a year ago, just a, just almost, just shy of a year ago. Um, one of the things that bothered me is that, hey, man, my kid is not going to know me as a cop, right? He's not going to know what I put my heart and soul into that was super passionate about. He's not going to know me as a cop. He's going to see some pictures where I'm holding him in uniform, that kind of sure. thing, but he's not going to know me as a cop. But he is so aware right now that I was a cop. He still thinks I'm a cop, I think, you know? Um, and uh, and he's obsessed with cop shit. <laughs> you know, it's 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 like, <laughs> and, I, and I don't push it on him. Right. Right? I don't, I don't push it on him. I mean, you know, he, he's, you know, he wants to be a firefighter too, but... But uh, we all did at one point in time. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But uh, but he's right now he's obsessed with cop shit. I don't know where he gets it because it's, it's not like I push it on him, right? You know, but uh, but it's cool. It's you know, it makes me feel good. Before before my I mean, my son's a year and a half old, and my uh, I remember my brother in law and I talking about it, and he and my sister have three kids between between them, and and he he's a cop for. I think he's been in for about 23, 22, 23 years by now. Um, still in still, he's a, a homicide detective. And, uh, and I remember him telling me like, yeah, I don't, I don't want our kids to be cops. And I remember being like, well, that's kind of fucked up. Like you put every ounce of who you are and it is as much as you, you may argue that it isn't, or you may say like, no, I'm a, I'm a, a, a you know, I'm a this. And, and instead of a guy, you know, I'm, a, I'm this before I'm a cop, like, like I'm a father before I'm a cop. I don't doubt that. Right. But I'm still a fucking cop. Yeah. Like it's still, I, I get, I get angry when I see cops killed. I get angry when I see, you know, these protests uh, against all cops. Um, to be completely fair, I didn't nearly have to do it with where I work. We were pretty well insulated. Like we had, we had a, a couple weeks of protests, right. but not like some of these other other agencies that you know these guys did 30 days without any time off. Like, oh man, you you work 12 hours and then hey, you get to drive home which however long that's going to take you, uh, eat, sleep, wake up, wash, rinse, repeat, right? Like, yep. um, uh, but now having a kid of my own, now I understand yeah. where, where you're coming from. And I understand where, where my brother-in-law was coming from. And I, yep. and I have to agree with you. Like if my kid was 20 right now, I'd probably say, nah, I don't know, man. Right. Like we just, uh, I, where is, where is Memorial bracelet every day, man? We, we'd had an officer killed in line of duty a couple months ago. And, uh, one of our, uh, one of our detectives didn't need to be working the road that day, but he, he was, um, and, uh, and he had his, uh, son with him on a ride along and, uh, he jumps out to try and assist when our officer, uh, our, our cannon officer get, got killed. Um, and, uh, and he's, I didn't even know he was involved with this at all. Cause again, like that dude, you're, you're a detective. Like right. I had no reason to think you were even there. Right. Um, uh, but he, he, uh, gets back in his, in the patrol vehicle, right? Cause what, yes, this just happened, but there's, we still got to fucking go forth, right? Like Chris right. would still want us to go out and work. Um, 
And, uh, and his son is like, Hey, like, is like, what happened? What happened? What happened? He was like, dude, I don't, I don't think that, that he's going to make it, man. And he ended up getting back with his son a couple days later or a week later and been like, do you still want it? Like you literally just saw the, I, I often say that, Hey, like we don't have bad days. We may have long days, but if we have a bad day, somebody's not coming home. And that was a fucking bad day. Oh yeah. Um, and his kid is still like, no, I'm going to fucking, I'm still going to stick with it and do it. And I, I don't even know this kid. I'm fucking proud of him, but I don't know that I would want my son making the same decision right now. Right. Like it's just, it's just a different world. You know, there comes a time and I think everybody's career, if you're really, there's guys that do the job, right? And then there's the guys that do the job. Right. Right. For guys that really do the job, um, at some point in their career, maybe it happens early, maybe it happens later in their career, but shit gets real. Right. There, there's a moment, and it might be a big thing, it might be a small thing, it might be a shooting, it might be an almost shooting, it right. might be a uh, for pursuit or something like that, where clear the di- the dude would have had the drop on you, he just chose not to, you know, what, whatever it may be, right? Everyone has like that moment where mm-hmm. shit just got real, you know. And uh, I had uh, probably about a year and a half on the job when Mark Atkinson was killed, um, and I was a working a certain detail at that time, but was a sign of that squad. And I knew him, um, wasn't particularly like friends with him or anything like that. I just know who he was and good dude, you know? Um, and I was probably like third or fourth, you know, car there. And up until that point, police work was just fun and games, man. Yeah. We're just chasing bad guys. And there was never a negative outcome ever. Like I never got hurt. Everything was fun. Like it was just fun. That's all that that's all it was. Mm-hmm. I was immature as shit too, by the way. Like probably probably too immature to be doing that job that early on. I know? think we no matter I would say no matter how old you are when you stop being a cop until you have that moment where shit gets real. Yeah. There's a little bit of immaturity there. Sure, sure. And then I I see his car and he crashed into a telephone pole, mm-hmm. right? And uh you know, not to go into the whole story with, with how Mark was killed, but he was pretty much he was ambushed by some drug cartel guys and uh seeing that car crash on the telephone pole my first thing was oh man he's in trouble <laughs> he just yeah crashed that's a, an ia <laughs> he just crashed a 96 car you know into a into a uh telephone pole he's gonna get in trouble yeah right because that was a big thing like crashed cars was a big thing then and then i see the bullet holes in the window and i'm like it didn't even register had i seen bullet holes in car windows before Absolutely. For the past year and a half, every night, I right. see that, right? It's not a big deal. But never one of your cars. But never in a police car, right? And it looked weird. And, you know, I, I didn't accept it as, like, that's real. And I approached the car, and I see Mark, right? And uh, and then this wasn't fun and games anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, this is real. Yeah. Up until, up until April of this year, line of duty deaths were something that either happened in my department's history right or in another agency right like i'm on i'm on honor guard we went to other people we don't do uh uh-uh, we don't do our own line of duty death funerals no like the, we haven't had to deal with that for seven years right oh fuck and we do damn near three in one year um one of our guys retired 15 days later heart attack uh um, right. But yeah, we like our first line of duty death that was uh for oh, i say our first not my agency's first but our, our first of this year um was was uh, a medical issue uh, a right. job related medical issue and then it was in april the felonious assault on on our officer which equally tragic 
but it hits a little differently when, right? Like, like medical, medical issues. What's a murder? Yeah. Versus a murder. Right. Like medical issue is not necessarily, it's indiscriminate, right? Like it's just, you, you can't fucking control that versus somebody set out and targeted. Right. Like it, it like boggled fucking mind. Yeah. It's violence. Yeah. The, 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 the difference is the violence of it. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't know that for those of you listening who aren't cops, that may sound callous or it may sound, uh, very odd. Um, but until you experience it, it, even now, like it is, it's, it's weird to put it into words, but even now, like I, I would say that I, I get it, you know, and, right. and, and now I kind of understand. Um, and again, like, you know, uh, kind of like with Mark, like I, I didn't know Chris all that. I, I knew Chris, but I didn't know, right. you know, I didn't go out and get beers with him every Tuesday after shift. Right. It know? doesn't matter, it, but it's still, it's still, it's still part of the same fucking family. Sure. Right. Like, damn. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we both finished our drinks, but if you're drinking and listening to this, hold one up for the, hold ones up for the ones that didn't get back home. You know, uh, they, uh, uh, they should be here, uh, and, and through whatever you want to call it, twist of fate, uh, the universe, they're, they're not. Uh, so, uh, here's to, here's to the fallen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to, uh, man, we went, that was a rabbit hole. Yeah, it was dude. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, Hey, well, that it's all good, man. That's yeah. part of, part of the reason I started this was because I didn't really know. Again, it's the immaturity of it, but everything kicked off in 2020 and i was like well i can either be fucking angry as shit on the road or i can try and communicate how we as cops are feeling right now that's what started this whole thing the emotion comes with it and i i want the emotion to be there because enough people probably think we're fucking robots as it is people think goddamn pigeons are robots that are controlled by the nsa like what do they think about cops that we just have no emotions we're there to to put handcuffs on people and ruin lives and that's not like our our lives get ruined too and we have to see shit like far too frequently. Oh yeah. Um, I don't think anybody who, again, you know, does this job, right. Um, the guys are out there really doing it. No one makes it through a 20 plus year career unscathed. No, right? not at, not even a little bit. And even, even where I work vastly different from, from Phoenix police department, it's got some shitty areas. Um, but, uh, um, where I was working, I spent a lot of my time in an upper middle class area. That was my patrol precinct. Um, but you can ask my wife now, I've only been doing this for four and a half years. And, and I asked her, I think it was just two weeks ago. She caught me with that, you know, that thousand yard stare kind of just off in the distance. Uh, the patrol team that I had been on, um, had just, uh, ended up recovering a two year old who had drowned in a, in a community lake. And, and hearing my friends that are still on that team, talk about that like i was you know you you just cops firefighters anybody who works in hospitals certainly people in the military all you you just your mind kind of goes blank and, and you just stare off into the distance and my wife had to you know like hey come on back um uh, and i asked her like do i do that more now than i did before i was a cop she's like oh fuck yeah you do like you didn't do it before you were a cop yeah and and that's only four and a half years in and I, I sit there thinking like, I ain't even really seen all that much, all things considered, you know, like one or two, like active scenes, a handful of, uh, uh, I think I've only ever been on one murder scene, some, some bad car wrecks, but like, you, you know, you kind of do your best to brush that off. Um, uh, Erica from TAC mobility, I had her on here a few months ago and, and she would, 
you know, shame on you for trying to brush that off. But you do. You sit there and you're like, oh, that was fucking weird. Yeah. So anyways, what are we eating for dinner tonight? But it uh, like you try to just blow past it, but it it changes every every ounce of who you are as a human being. Yeah, absolutely. You know, how do you uh, how are you supposed to deal with it? What, yeah. do you, what are you what are you supposed to do with that? Right. Um, when it's the constant exposure to the worst day of these people's lives. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we see every day, right? They don't call the police because things are going well. Yeah. Right. Hey, right. come, well, yeah. we last year it was, Hey, come drive by our kid's birthday party, but that's not the norm. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> I've never, I've never experienced that one. That's uh, <laughs> well, I think we know. did the four or five last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about people at their very worst, right? Either their lowest moment in life or, or they are the lowest form of, of human. Yeah. Right. And uh, I mean, that's what we're here for though. Right. That's, that's what we're here for it. And dude, I, I tell you, I've always been very idealistic about this job. I always have um, from the get go until my last day. Right. I, I do truly believe in the mission of what we're doing. Um, I do feel like I made a difference. I mean, I put some bad dudes away, yeah. you know, and some would you know, aren't coming back, you know, and, uh, and I'm proud of it. Like I'm absolutely fucking proud of it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do think that, we did good when I was on, right? I, I feel like I did make a, a difference. Um, I do believe in, in the mission of what law enforcement is doing. Um, I was always very idealistic about it. Um, I do think it's a very noble profession. Um, it's tough out there right now, right? For sure, for sure. Yeah. And I was starting to experience that uh, just before I retired. Like the tide was was changing a little bit, right? The political atmosphere, um, not conducive to real law enforcement. Right. And the problem is now you're going to get cops and you're seeing it now in some cities and cops are like, dude, I am not going to risk everything I own and my family's welfare and, and my reputation and everything to go do proactive police work and put myself at risk of not only injury, but you know, all the, 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 the liabilities that come along with it. Yeah. And a lot of the departments don't even want to back them for it. So what do you see? Crime spiking. Yeah. Because the only thing that keeps crime in check is proactive police work. That's the only thing that does it. Right? You can have all your programs you want. I can, you know, cops in schools and outreach programs, whatever. All right? Well, let's get honest. What keeps crime in check is some hard dudes cruising around in a patrol car at night that go, Hey, that doesn't look right. That doesn't look right, dude. Go talk to them. That's what gets it done. But yeah. that's also what provokes the confrontations that a lot of people aren't good with. And now everybody's on what body camera? Yeah. Right? I had a body camera on my last like few months on the job. See, and right? I've never known I've never known this job without one. Oh my god! I yeah. think I'm on my third. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And I'm also back and forth on it because at first I'm like, dude, I'm not wearing this thing. I'm not going to turn it on. I'm going to be that guy, right? And all of a sudden now you don't turn it on. Like now you're going to, there's going to be discipline right. if you don't put it on. Oh my God. And then I started thinking, man, if I had this body camera on me my entire career, do you understand the highlight reel I would have? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking start my own YouTube channel because I did some shit. You get, you get some you know? pretty solid, uh, yeah. some solid shit off of yeah, body cameras. Man. And some funny stuff, you know, yeah. but, but for the most part, I'd, I'd even say that the, uh, the body cameras are helping us. Absolutely. I have because seeing what 
the bullshit people pull, oh, yeah. right? And then they lie about it, right? I think I've had uh, not too many. Um, again, part of it's, uh, you know, where you work. But I think I've had two complaints, maybe even only one complaint. that I, One really sticks out that somebody tried to lodge a complaint against me. And the first thing that the uh, this, this person went straight to the precinct commander, um, and, uh, that precinct, I, I missed that dude. He's since retired. Um, they got a solid precinct commander down there now, if he's listening, just so you know, sir, I don't, uh, don't slight you in the least. Cause you're also a pretty cool dude. But the, <laughs> the guy who was down there when I started in that South precinct, um, military veteran had been a cop for a long time and just cut right through the bullshit, pulled up, you know, knew that that is one of the new breed one of the one of the young guys that my body camera is most likely on it was a call for service sure as shit my body camera was on he pulls up the uh, body camera and just tells the dude yeah you're fucking lying so do you want to keep going and we'll charge you with false reporting oh okay nope see you later right, right. so and see some of the big agencies you know your 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 big safety agencies when they lie you know that they, they make a complaint against an officer he did mm -hmm. this and they review the body cam footage and it's a lie, right? They don't charge them. Yeah. Yeah. There's no consequence, right? But that officer went through at least a day of turmoil, at least, right? Guarantee you he didn't sleep well that night. Yeah. You know, the trickle trickle down effect. His wife's like, What's wrong? What's wrong? Nothing, yeah, it comes back wrong. home. Something's wrong, you know, that kind of thing, right? And uh stuff man i was lucky because i think it was like our first day back from a weekend and commander just walks in or no it wouldn't have been the first day back because i worked weekends it was like a monday or a tuesday and he walks in and he was like hey kevin had a complaint against you watch your body camera footage told the guy he was full of shit it's over and done with so don't worry about it it's like what, what uh okay okay well, thank you <laughs> appreciate you sir yeah. you have a good rest of your week yeah. <laughs> well then you probably didn't even need to tell me there yeah. sir you know <laughs> yeah so back to it. I mean, what what do you do with it, man? What do you? What, it comes out eventually. Yeah. It's got to come out with me. I've had it, you know, like big time. You know, we've been involved in some pretty big things, you know, and uh, and as I, I guess, as I got further in my career, the more things bothered me. I think, um, and I I don't know why. Uh, you know, maybe it's just every incident compounding on the on the previous. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Um, or just the severity of them. Probably a mix, you yeah, know. You know, um, you know, my wife is amazing, right? And she gets it. Mm -hmm. like, she gets it. And uh, I think she would have been a good cop, actually. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, what, what do you do with it? Because some people don't have, you know, that wife. Some people don't, they don't have that outlet, right? So now they're drinking and you know, party and do, you know, trying to do something to make to, it go away, make it go away, numb it, yeah. you know, but the biggest thing amongst, you know, dudes that I know it's, uh, taking something to go to sleep, right. Trying to drink, you know, they drink a little bit extra just to sleep better when we all know that doesn't help you sleep. Nope. Right. It's shitty sleep when it yeah. comes down to yeah. it. And now you're not working out the next day cause you're a little hungover and you feel like shit and then you eat like shit. And it's just a, you know, that downward spiral. Right. Right. So what, you know, what, what do you do, you know? And, uh, you know, people say, go talk to somebody, right? Who, who do you, who do you talk to? Right. What, I mean, they can say, oh, there's professionals that don't yeah, but they don't fucking get it. Right. Yeah. But do they get it? Like, so what I think is you talk to the other dudes that have been there with you doing it. Right. Um, but that's the hard part. Who, who makes that first, who broaches that subject first? Yeah. Right. Um, 
and I did like I, you know, a buddy of mine, uh, that I worked with just happened to be with me on several incidents, you know, and, uh, he, uh, you know, I was a fucking savage, right? Like I, I really sought these events, right? Like I, I wanted these experiences. I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was super aggressive and he's one of those guys that just not a great dude, great operator, you know, but not like the most aggressive dude. It just, he was just there yeah. when it's time, you know, and it's just a roll of the dice, you know, and, uh, just a super solid guy, but he was always there with, with these things. And, and, uh, I was struggling dude. And so I go to him and I'm like, how are you doing with this dude? And he was fucking fine. <laughs> you know, I'm like, how are you fine, man? You know, like, I don't get it. Cause you've, you know, you've been with me through all these dude and I'm not that great. Right. You know? And, and you seem to be fine, you know, and, uh, some people just process things different. I think he was a little surprised that I wasn't okay. Cause I think if, uh, if you'd ask people from the outside, be like, Oh, Norman's fine with that shit. Right. He digs it. Yeah. Um, but it started building up a little bit. Yeah. You know? But I think I retired about, you know, about, about the right about, time, about the perfect time. Yeah. Um, cause I had had about enough. Well, when you, when you get to that point, I mean, it may be that point may be five, six years into your career, maybe 20 years into your career. If I get a change of scenery, like do something or, or like you, you know, you, you said you, you did it, you did what you wanted to do. I assume we'll get into, we'll get into more about what, what, uh, what your career entailed, but, and then you retired, you know, hopefully on a high note. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I know some people, I mean, shit, like I got done, I feel like 2020 was the equivalent of like seven or eight years of policing yeah. for a lot of, for a lot of, and there's a, a dude on my, on my squad. I worked with him for two years in a row and I don't even remember what the fucking call was, but I was not, I'm usually not the type to fly off the fucking handle. Like my wife will tell you that I'm actually more of a patient person since being a cop than I was before I was a cop. And I remember, uh, uh, my buddy looking at me and being like, dude, are you, are you all right, man? Like you don't, you don't lose your shit on people. You just, you just lost your ever loving mind. And I was like, Oh yeah. Well, time to look inward on that one and be like, well, what caused that? So, but yeah, you're right. I mean, people turn to alcohol, people turn to, uh, you know, what Z non-habit forming. No, but fucking sleeping is habit forming. It's like, (laughs) but then, then you get to the point where you can't for, for me, like it was, it was the switch between graves to swings of all things. Like I slept great on graveyards. Oh man. Like I was the only one in the bed. Set yeah. the temperature to whatever I wanted it yeah. to. It was quiet in the Black, house. Blackout, blackout shades, shades yeah. like whatever. And then switching to swing shift, there was like a three month period where I was just sleeping like two three hours a night. Oh, and it was it was god awful. Yeah, um, and then it was like, oh well, I'm going to take Zequil. I'm allowed to take Zequil. I'm not going to take more than the recommended dosage. But then I started looking at it like, well, shit, I don't want to have to go out and buy like thirteen dollars worth of Zequil every week. Right. Like, right. So I don't know. Then I just now I'm on I'm on that that bank shift, man. That detective life. It's oh, like yeah. eight to six, seven to five, whatever you want. Just there get you your go. 10 in. Yep. We're, and we're going to take a three hour lunch while we're doing it. If the lieutenant's listening, we don't take three hour lunches. Yeah. That's not something that we do. <laughs> and if it is, we'll it's start work, bringing you with us. It's a working lunch. It's a working lunch, sir. Yeah. It's a working lunch. Um, yeah. What, uh, so you did 20, 23 years. Yeah. And you retired last year. So that, what did you get in 1998, 97? 97. 97. What was yep. your class number? 302. 302. Okay. Class 302. Should I tell you what my class number was or no? <laughs> it's going to hurt. Do it. Low 498. Yeah, man. Holy shit. Yeah. So you were class 302. What, uh, 
I mean, you get guys like me, um, and shit, I've got gray hair now, but I am only 30. Uh, but you get guys like me looking back on like, holy shit, the cops in the nineties and the early two thousands were like, you guys were fucking cops. What was policing like in 1997, 98? Oh man. Um, it was fun. Um, and we got it done, right? Um, so I, I uh, so I trained on third shift, um, and out in West Phoenix, Maryville area. And my FTO, God, if he's listening right now, man, like he opened my eyes, dude. First night, couple hours in, we're messing with some gangbangers, and <laughs> like, you know, I don't want to, you know talk specifics, but he did not take shit and i realized why you can't you can't you can't take shit from them because then they lose respect for you and then they right. walk all over you and it's not so much you right it's anybody wearing the patch it's they got away with it with you it's gonna be worse for the next cop yep right and maybe the next cop isn't as strong or as prepared or has the knowledge going into that confront confrontation with him right but you embolden them every time they get away with whatever, right? And uh, so, yeah, that the tone got set for me my first night out, just a couple hours into my shift, and uh, made an impression, and uh, we're, it's off to the races. Yeah. But I tell you, man, uh, like, we were rough. I mean, it was, I mean, it's police work, third shift out in Maryville. I mean, that's, you know, it's rough, um, no doubt about it dealing with like straight career criminals. Um, and, uh, but everything that was done was, was done for the greater good. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I felt like everybody was on the same team Yeah, for the most part. We had some, we had some upper supervision that, uh, you know, no one liked and that sort of thing. You find that anywhere. Yeah. I don't even think you're going to ever escape that. Right. But I tell you, man, I, you know, I think about like, the other squads and just the camaraderie amongst my squad and, and the support from our sergeants, like, like you felt supported. You felt good about going out and doing play cup and briefing. Like we were excited to go out and get after it. You know, like we used to keep recap at the end of the night, you know, and everything on computer now, but back then we had to handwrite logs, you know, and God, matching up. What's the a times. pencil? Yeah. Matching up the times, you know, we're always, cause, cause I, I, you know, we'd, we go on five, six different calls and then have to sit down and do our log just because we're hustling call to call to call. Right. All summer trying to catch up. I'm like, where, where were we between this time and this time? I don't remember, you know, that kind of thing, you know. But anyways, uh, we kept recap over the night. And at the end of shift, everyone would be sitting around the, the front desk comparing recap because we're competing against each other. Sure. Right? And it wasn't competing against who wrote the most tickets to taxpaying citizens, right? This was, you know... Who made the most arrests? Okay, so you got one more arrest for me, but what was it for? Right, right? felony misdemeanor. Yeah, yeah, felony misdemeanor. Exactly. Oh, that was just a warrant, dude. He just had a that was easy a warrant. That's a gimme. Like, stop anybody out in Maryville at three o'clock in the morning. You're gonna warrant, yeah. right? You know, fish in a barrel, right? right. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, we, we competed, man, and uh, we were excited to do police work. I don't know if it's like that now. I just don't. Um, yeah, it's it's even hard for me to say now. I think that that some of that. Some of it's gone away. Uh, I would say that as a new cop, 
yeah, I don't even know, man. The, the squad that I went to was a graveyard squad, right? But it was, uh, again, all opinions on this are my own and don't necessarily reflect the opinions of any agency or department. There's my little spiel. The squad that I went to off of FTO is there are there are two two patrol teams in my city that we should not be fucking sending brand new cops to because right. is one of them is a dinosaur squad, right? Right again. Ain't, ain't trying to offend anybody. That's just, that's the reputation that they have is I'll take my calls and that's about it. Um, and then the other one, the squad that I was assigned, that's going to piss some people off. Oh, well, like again, your reputation's there for a reason. I didn't put it up on you. Um, the other squad, what I was assigned to, um, we did our best, but again, it was, I mean, it was a quiet part of town in the middle of the night, right? You don't learn a whole lot. I didn't learn a whole lot until I went along the fucking freeway corridor that you know the i-10 coming up from tucson going into phoenix that's where i and the and the squad right. that i had were all young cops right? right not not cops that have been doing it for a while they were we were all you know you're finding your way two, two years or less yeah. we're all finding our way we're all fucking up and we're but we're all trying our best um and everybody was hungry yep. right so that's that's where i say i learned how to be a cop was on that graveyard team um and there i think there are still I, again, I don't want to speak out of turn now because I'm not on patrol anymore, but I think there are still the occasional patrol team where you'll get people that are like, yeah, okay, how, okay, what'd you get? What'd you get? What'd you get? Uh, but I, I I would confidently say that it's not a common practice anymore. I hope so, man. I, ho- I hope you're right. I really do. Um, you know, I can remember back in, you know, working, working third shift, man, and we had a lot of calls for service, right? They stacked up, but about 2.30, they started dying down, mm-hmm. right? Second shift has gone home and the calls are starting to slow down a little bit. And we would try to knock out the last remaining like little paper calls or bullshit calls and just knock them out real quick. So there's no calls holding because now we get to do. Then you go hunt. So V work. Right? Yeah. We go park our car a few blocks away, go creep into the townhomes where we know it's just overrun with, you know, the local gang, you know? Yeah. I don't know if I'm name gangs or whatever, but not even worth giving them or their due respect, <laughs> but you know, go hide in the shadows, man, and jump and crack dealers. And I mean, it was, it was awesome. I was so excited to do that. We want to knock out all these calls so we could go do that. Right. And go get those arrests that actually does actually does make a little bit of a difference. Sure. Right? But that's where all the mayhem happened. Right. I mean, occasionally on calls and stuff like things, you know, things happen. Yeah. Um, but when you're out being proactive, that's when you get your big uses of forces. That's when you get involved in your shootings. That's when, you know, that's when these things happen. That's when these pursuits happen, that, that kind of stuff. Um, but that's police work, man. But we were young, dude. I didn't always do it right. Um, but I had the supervision that would say, hey, you didn't do that right. This is where you went wrong. Mm-hmm. Do this next time. Not, don't ever do that again. You're moved to another precinct. You're benched, you know, whatever. It was... They recognized the drive to be a cop, right? And kind of kept you within the lanes yeah. and uh, sent you back out on your way, man. It was awesome. Well, there yeah. seems to now be that that drive has been tempered. Um, largely, I think, due it's a reaction to the political climate oh, and, no and the, the what people who have no fucking idea what this job is about is deeming to be socially acceptable. Look, what cops deal with isn't socially acceptable. Right. It It's, you know the the supposed oh 
oh, these detectives and, you know, you wear your polo shirts to work every day. Yeah. It's not socially acceptable for somebody to rape their kid. Right. And when you're on the road, it's not socially acceptable for some dude to beat the shit out of his lady or for somebody to, to point a gun at somebody for some fucking paper and plastic in their wallets. Right. Like, don't don't sit there and tell me what what is and is, is not acceptable within my job within. Re- I fucking know what not to do. Like, I'm not going to walk up to somebody, profile them on the street because of the color of their skin and then jump out and fuck with them. That's just not I know that that's not something that's that Dude, we're supposed to do. You know, man, I, especially with this political climate, nothing enrages me more than people that think that there's cops out there going and making decisions based off of people's color. I was a cop for 23 years and I work with some hard fuckers, dude, like hard, aggressive cops, right? And we did some shit, okay? Not a single time did anyone make a decision based off of someone's race or, you know, whatever for that matter. You know, right? it, it was the crime that they were committing, Yeah, right? That was it, right? And uh, that enrages me, dude. Like, I never, yeah, never, it's, I never it's saw frustrating. It. Never saw it, not once. But it, it, I mean, going going back to that whole, you know, like like let's let's do good cop work. I can remember not long before I left the road, um, we had I don't even remember. It was like a an ATL goes out and okay, two. This is your interview, so you can tell me, Kevin. Let me speak at any point in time because this is I I can always turn this fucking oh, podcast yeah. thing on any day that we yeah. can tell these tell these stories, um, but. Uh, had an ATL come out across across the screen and, and it goes over the the air right the dispatcher airs the attempt to locate this came out of two separate agencies um, county and then one other municipal agency of, of a very specific red truck with black wheels and uh, two occupants with like bandanas sawed off shotguns and they were Bergen fucking uh, homes like like home invasions yeah like oh well that's that's a violent felony um, they end up, uh, one of our guys finds the car. Uh, they nearly fucking run his ass over and then, uh, Hey, no, yeah, you ain't chasing that car. Like, did he get run over? No. Okay. You ain't chasing that car. So I'm, I'm not even anywhere near this by any, I I just happened to come down the road, see this red truck go out and get on the radio. I'm like, yeah, Hey, uh, red truck just blew past me eastbound, like 90 to hundred miles per hour. Um, and then the Lieutenant gets on and is like, chase the fucker which is like that is music to my ears because yeah. not once in four years of patrol work have I ever been allowed to chase a car. Yeah. Of course, like you said, career criminals, they do it for a fucking living too, right? Like they're long gone, 90 to 100 miles an hour, and I was traveling the wrong direction. So by the time I turn around and get behind him, they blacked out. I ended up, my like shame on me moment, they had pulled off onto a side street of gated community um, and bailed out of the car. And of course, fucking which way did he go, George, over here? Like sure. I'm so focused on what's in front of me, I don't think to look to my right yeah. when I'm also going 70 miles an hour, code three, yeah. whatever. Uh, but then, I mean, Lieutenant, great question, comes up to us in brief. He's like, why didn't you chase the fucking thing? Lieutenant, like we had an officer shot at, the round went through his car. This is a few months before I got on the road. He attempted to chase that person who fucking tried to kill him and he was told he was not allowed to pursue anymore. It's crazy, man. So, uh, like, we we get dragged in fifty different directions on. Okay, hey, you can pursue. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, we're not, we're not pursuing. Like, do you want us? Do you want that person to keep doing what they're doing? No. Okay, I don't need to wear a collar. Take me off the fucking leash and let me do my job, dude. So I, uh, you know, I've I have a unique perspective on pursuits, 
right? So I understand management's idea of we don't want to pursue vehicles, right? Because they crashed, horrendous yeah, damage. Bad things happen. Loss of Liability, life, right? absolutely. Like, I don't know if I've ever been in a pursuit, and I've been in a bunch of them, that did not end in some sort of wreck um, or injury, right? They all do. They all end that way because these guys can't fucking drive, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, it's not like they went to Bondurant, you know, yeah. before Stealing they the expensive criminals. car doesn't automatically make right. you a better driver. Right. So uh, now on the flip side, just because, you know, once they have contact with us and they take off, just because we're not behind them anymore doesn't think they don't think we're still behind them or we're not all over the place. Right. They continue to drive like shit and we own it. Just because we're not behind it, they think they can say, management can think that they can say, well, we weren't chasing it. We weren't pushing them. You got on your right? radio and said that you were traveling east when they were traveling west. Right. We don't own that. But we do, really, we do own it. Right. Whether the, you know, the attorneys want to say that we do or not, we, we do. And we know that um, they continue to drive like shit. Right. So let's say five o'clock in the afternoon, there's a dude standing on the corner of 51st Avenue and Thomas. Right. Five o'clock in the afternoon and he shoots a nine millimeter bullet right through that intersection. Right. Cops show up. We shoot that dude every day. Right. You can't do that. Right. Shooting a gun through an intersection. Right. But yet you drive a car through a red light at that intersection at the same time of day at 60 miles an hour. I will tell you that there is way greater chance of serious injury or death. Absolutely. With that car going through than the nine millimeter round going through. But hey, let that guy go. Right. I have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, now. What was nice about my unit that I came from is that those guys, we got to do some interdictions on, right? And we're coming, we're using undercover vehicles. They don't know who we are and we get to go get up on close on them and end that thing, right? By interdicting that vehicle and, and street jump interdiction, whatever you want to call it. You use words like interdiction and pursuit. I'm getting a little turned on. I'm going to be yeah, man, honest with you. This is, it. This, is it. <laughs> <laughs> this, is the, this is the sexy stuff right here. This is the stuff I miss too, by the way. I don't miss search warrants and barricades. I miss the, the, the barricades. 12 hours, it's 114 degrees. Oh, Fuck man. it, please. Like, yeah. Just come outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen to a sad guy, you know, like just come out, take your medicine, dude. You know, like we're here to help you. But, you know, it's... uh. You know, those, uh, but we got to do something about that with, you know, with those, those kind of pursuits, but not every single one, cause we're not there for everything. Right. right. Um, and a lot of them, we would just interdict or street jump preemptively because we know what they're going to do. We know they're going to run and we're not going to allow that time. We're not going to launch a, launch a rocket ship through the city. Right. Um, so yeah, I get it. So the pursuit thing is touchy cause they don't end well. Right. They just, they never end well. Um, had one end real bad um, when I was in patrol and uh, no one's fault, man. You know, we're, we're chasing a, a it's, it's, it's a righteous pursuit and the dude goes into oncoming traffic on purpose right into a, a family. You're like, how the fuck did you do that? Why couldn't you just choose a light pole? Yeah. Asshole. Why'd you have to take somebody else with you? Yeah. Why, why'd you gotta, why you gotta bring other folks into it? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and people will blame the police for yeah. that. Oh yeah. They, all day long, every day, the news will yep. blame the police. Yep. Nobody wants to blame the fucking asshole that, right. Hey, you had an option, give up or run. Right. And you decided to see if you can get away with it. And then you had another option, give up, 
take myself out or take out a family. And again, you were like, fuck it, door number three, let's take a whole family with me. Like, yeah. no, you, you're a selfish motherfucker. That's yeah. what led to all this. It's evil, man. Um, you know, and I think that's what I, I think the, the general population has a hard time accepting that evil exists. It does. Um, and we go out and confront it on the daily. And, uh, and they get to see a small snippet of a video of when that goes violent, mm -hmm. right? When that confrontation goes violent. They don't see the times that, that we are able to use our verbal judo, you know? Right. And, and that doesn't make the news. And talk guys out of it. Or we just use excellent tactics to make sure this thing doesn't go, right? They get to see those small snippets and it's violent. And people don't like seeing violence. They don't like seeing the reality of violence, right? And their view of violence is what they see on TV and in movies, and it just doesn't look the same, right? And uh, and you're also seeing some cops, man. You know, I mean, you know, so it's different with a SWAT team because we're so we're offensive, um, but most officer-involved shootings are defensive yeah. in nature, right? Like they didn't roll up thinking I'm going to go get in a shooting right now, like. They go to call, some shit happens, guy does something to them and they react to it and they're behind the curve and they're trying to catch up and they mm -hmm. get a shoot. And they're it's one the, probably one of the lowest moments in their life, you know? You're hearing the fluctuation in their voice, the fear, the heavy breathing, you know, the you know, the multiple rounds being fired, you know, the you know, the gasping. They're they're hearing those things, you know. I mean, God, man, that's an officer in like his, you know, worst moment in his life, maybe. He's you know, what's going through his head win the fight or is he thinking about his kids at home right i'm not going to go see him again i'm not going to be able to see him again because i'm about to get killed right and that goes in a whole mindset thing and we could do a whole other podcast on that oh, yeah. stuff but but uh you know maybe we start talking about training and stuff but, yeah uh, but yeah man it's it's it it's, an odd, it's an odd time to be in police work you yeah know? yeah but what you're just great it again for people who don't it, it turns into that scene in top gun right that opening scene when when that dude nearly crashes his plane he gets yeah. like intercepted by the whoever the russians or whoever yeah. they're fighting and lands back turns his wings and he's like i thought about my wife and kids i can't fucking do this anymore dude I, man you know as cheesy as a reference as that is yeah oh i'm king of cheesy is, references that, bro dude but that <laughs> is it right and it was a nothing incident right to his his wingman right that was fun right but it just happened you don't know what that trigger is going to be dude you don't know um you know, I, uh, you know, I was involved in a lot of different, you know, incident, use of force incidents, right? And good to go with all of them. One of them still bothers me, you know? And, uh, you know, it, why that one? You yeah. know, that kind of thing. Like, because there's some shit I think about it, man. Yeah, like, and it'll probably stick with you. There's some what ifs on that one, dude, you know? And, uh, you know, what if I zigged and didn't zag? Yeah. Right? That kind of thing. Um but yeah, dude, I mean, it, you, you don't know what incident that's going to be. And it could be a nothing thing to your partner, but it was something to you. Right. 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 And uh, that's what makes it tough, man. I think we go back to what do you do with it? Right. Because it was a big thing to it's a big thing to me, but I know it's not a big thing to my partner. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the dude I'm closest with. Spend more time with him than, than you do partner, at home. My wife. Yeah. Kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. But do I feel comfortable enough to talk to him about it? You know? Yeah. So. And not everybody, I don't, I mean, shit, hopefully everybody has, every cop has that partner they can go to, but I don't know that everybody does. 
right? Like yeah. there, there might be some cops out there that feel super fucking isolated because yeah. they're, you know, they're, they're the new guy or they're the old hand and there's nobody around to talk to that they, you know, that they came up with, or you're a fucking County Sheriff's deputy and there's three of you for the entire County and yeah. you work nights and everybody else works different hours. Yep. Like you, you got no one else to your go. Backup's 45 your backup's away. 45 minutes away. Exactly. <laughs> he's coming and off the freeway. Yeah. He's coming off the freeway. You're more likely to get back up from that fucking elk over there than yeah. you are from oh, a yeah. human being. Like, yep. you know, you better fucking put a call into fish and game. They may be closer. But. You know, it, it, it's funny you bring that up, you know, um, with most agencies, I think, but I'll talk about with Phoenix. Um, so the majority of my career, you know, officer involved shooting at three days off, right? Everyone joked about oh, three days off, right? So you kind of hope it's on your Friday. So you can yeah. actually have days <laughs> dark off, humor. You know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You got to have that gallows humor, but uh, you got to go see a psychologist. Sure. You got to go, go to the shrink and get signed off on. Right. And uh, we contract with the same couple. Right. So, I'd seen this lady a few times, you know, and uh, um, I go in there and it's been years, so it's not like she remembers me or anything unless she's looking back at her notes or yeah, something. Yeah, to get but, your punch uh, card out when you walked yeah, in. But uh, I, uh, right when I walk in, she's like, hey, I know you're fine, so we're just going to have a conversation. I'll just sign off and you'll be on your way. And I thought to myself, like, at first I'm like, cool, like, I don't have to sit here forever right. and talk. I'll hash this whole thing out and tell her how good I am. Yeah, but, I don't want to tell you why the right. color purple makes me sad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and so I'm like, sweet. But then I thought to myself, like, well, fuck. What if I'm not okay? Yeah, what if you're I really the, need to talk to you? You're the person I'm supposed to talk to. And you've already laid the groundwork to make, it, make me feel like I can't talk to you. You know? And I had a little problem with that, dude. Mm -hmm. I was fine. I was fine. But what if? Because... You know, I'm on a unit where we're like I guess I said we're offensive and and we're expecting to do this stuff and this wasn't new to me. But you know, what about the kid who's got nine months on the job and just thought he was gonna, you know, be McGruff and all of a sudden he just got in some horrendous shootout. And maybe he does need to talk to somebody and she just said that shit to him. Yeah. He's not gonna say a word, right? So who is he going to talk to now? He can't even talk to the psychologist that he was supposed to go talk right. to, right? And uh, and I remember that being very disappointing. But good on Phoenix because now they have um, another psychologist that they work with. She comes out to the scene. Then you go see her again. She checks in with you and legit talks to you about stuff. And, and, and not just, you know, here, here hold this stuffed animal. You know, that kind of thing. Like, she knows what's up, right? So I think Phoenix has made a huge stride in that regard, um, and I do appreciate her. I don't know if she'll hear this or not, but uh, um, I think that's good, a good step forward. Yeah. And then we have that EAU unit, like employee assistance unit. We, I, I think say. we're starting. We've got, what do they call it? The SISM, Critical Incident Stress Management. Okay, yeah, so, well, there you go. And that's yeah. like a, it's not, it's sort of like our CIT, our, our crisis intervention people. That was like the first training that I went to off right. of off of FTO was it was just one more training to to learn how to talk to people because right. let's be face it uh, and I'm saying as a millennial <laughs> like we fucking I mean I I worked in an industry before this where I had to talk to people right. you didn't have the option but I still felt like yeah you know what I could use a little bit more training on how to sure. navigate especially like I don't 
I've never talked to anybody in the middle of a fucking psychiatric episode before. So yeah, I'll go to three days worth of training and right. see if I can't get a couple more tools to the toolbox. But like right. our CIT unit is not a unit. It's all the officers are dispersed throughout the agency. So, and that's similar with our, with our stress management team right. is that it's just, Hey, no rank. Um, here's all of our phone numbers. Call one of us and, yeah. and, and, or, and they're pretty good. If we have a critical incident, they're pretty good. Hey, we're going to stand up a SISM, uh, uh, you know, like basically going to have SISM officers in the conference room upstairs for the next seven to 10 hours. And they're there this day, this day, this day. Right. So they're, they're getting better at that, but it's not a full like a uh, team. Right. Well, with, with, with Phoenix EAU is a, uh, that's like a full-time spot. That's good. You know, cause yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're busy. Yeah. You got, yeah. You fuck know? yeah. Dude, I saw yeah, your yeah. guys board once, man, the, the calls for service. I ended up, uh, needing to, needing to wander over into Phoenix, yeah. uh, and it was like, I don't want to say it was like New Year's, maybe it was like January 1st, January 2nd. It was fucking cold. I don't remember. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and this Phoenix officer rolls up and was like, uh, you guys, they, they told us you were over here, but we've been like kind of busy, but uh, you guys need any help? I'm like, yeah. nah, no, we're good, dude. We're about to leave. And I look over at his board and our, our call numbers are sequential. So at the beginning of the year, it starts at one. Right. Um, I know it was, actually, I think it was New Year's Eve. Oh, no shit. It, it was like December 30th into December 31st. Oh my God. I and I, and I think Phoenix was at like 1.5 million or yeah. so it was like, there it was I'm like, what? Hey, how'd the numbers work? They're like, Oh, same as yours. Like the first one of the year starts at one and then it just goes, I'm like, Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Especially that new year's. Yeah. Everyone's calling in shots fired, you know? Oh, that and that. And, but the problem is half of them are half of them are because people like, are, you know, Oh my God. Ridiculous. Is it Shannon's law? Like it, yep. it exists for a fucking reason. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah, have a because there was a girl named Shannon. Yep. Right. Like, let's not forget that. Yeah. You dumbass shooting your gun yeah. up in the air. You it, know? it was there for a purpose. It's because yeah. somebody died from your, yeah. from somebody who did, did a lot like what you're doing right now. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. again, we talk about selfishness. Yeah. Uh, how long were you on the road before you, you moved out? Uh, so I did four years working patrol. Okay. Um, third shift, um, went downtown for a couple years and then bounced over to a unit that was called the Rapid Deployment Unit. Um, and I went there. So Rapid Deployment Unit was kind of like, uh, uh, I'm definitely not like our SWAT team, but had some extra capabilities um, to go run around the city at different precincts that are having problems and knock down some fires, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, and... Uh, that turned into what uh, we called the Safe City Task Force. Um, so then we we switched over to working plain clothes, driving undercover cars, and um, primarily working on our um, chasing our top ten burglars. Like our you know detectives would identify our top ten burglars. They put the list out, PC on them. Boom, we go find them. But we'd clear out that top ten list like. You're like, what are we going right. to do with the other nine hours yeah, and 37 minutes of our shift? Because we were, you're talking about some super motivated, good cops, right? Yeah. And so we started knocking those out. And now robbery is like, hey, can you guys look for these dudes? Yep. Success there. Homicide now. It's like, hey, man, got this homicide, dude. It should be an easy one. Boom. A couple hours. He's in custody. And then that became the go-to crew for, you know, to go find people and pick them up. And uh, so which turned into like major fender bureau, which is now what our, is our fugitive apprehension investigation detail fade. That's it's our fade unit now. And, and what fade is now, uh, man, those guys are rock solid. They are, they are crushing it. Right. 
between our street crimes unit and our fade unit, those, those, that entity within Phoenix Police Department, that is the entity that will make a marked difference on the crime rate in Phoenix, right? Because they're taking out the people that are generating an enormous amount of crime, right? Violent crime. Yeah. Um, and they're going after those dudes. And it, it was awesome to be a part of that and to start that. Um, they made a challenge going, man, this, this is kind of a cool thing. They just made a challenge coin. You know, everyone's doing the challenge coin. Sure, sure. And uh, they just made a challenge coin. And on that challenge coin was, um, you know, a little a little nod to the previous units that made Fade what it is now. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the dudes that's on there now, you know, came to me and was like, hey, man, as one of the dudes that started that unit, we want you to have challenge Oh, that's coin. cool. So that was that was pretty cool yeah. to get that. I'm, and I'm, he's a good buddy of mine also, but... Uh, that was definitely pretty cool to get that. Yeah, it's got know. that got that I don't know, sentiment to it, right? It's, oh, got, yeah. it's got value to it because you're like, Absolutely. oh, hell yeah. And like, you always, you got to know where you came from, man. You know, you need to know the history of your unit. You know, it was important to me to understand the history of, of the special assignments unit when I got there. And, and, uh, um, and it's a pretty awesome history. And where it started to where it is now, it's unreal. You know, it's unreal. This, the the, the skill set that our average SAU guy possesses now far surpasses, you know, what guys had back then. I sure. mean, it, and that's the way it should be, right? Like, I hope that in five years I go back and I, you know, hit those dudes up and I go watch a training day and I, I hope their skill set is so far beyond what I had. I hope so. That's the way it should be, right? Yeah, that's, absolutely. And that's the, uh, you know, that's the uh, continuation of our species, dude. We have to keep moving forward, right? Yeah. And, uh you know, but I think I left at the right time because I, I, I left at the at the height of my career. Everything was great. Um, you know, I'm on the unit. I'm running our CQB cadre, doing a ton of the training and stuff like that and uh, have a great position on my squad. It, it was just, it was, everything was great. And I'm like, all right, now's the time to go. Because I've started to have it, right? I'm started, I've had enough now. And uh, I wanted to leave before... I started hating things, right? I didn't want to be that dude that's like, fuck this fuck place. Fuck this place. Yeah. This sucks. I'm out of here. Fuck, you know, like when I left, it was bittersweet, right? And it still is. It still is. And for a while, um, you know, guys would call me and tell me about what they're doing. And I had to be like, hey, dude, I need a little bit of time, man. You know, yeah. like, don't, don't talk to me about this. Shit. That is almost you know? rubbing it in at that point. I'm yeah. like, fuck, yeah. did I, man, I probably yeah. shouldn't have left yet. Yeah. And I worry. And I worry about dudes too, Absolutely. you know, because, you know, well, if I was there, maybe this wouldn't happen, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, what am I like fucking Superman? I was, right. I was just a, a, a cog in that wheel, but you know, you worry about your dudes um, because, you know, we had a pretty tight knit unit. Um, and uh, yeah, so you still worry and that kind of thing, you know, of your, of your 23 years, how much of it was spent on, on SWAT? 13, 13 years. And then five years with that fade unit. Okay. Um, when you were on, uh, um, what what led it, uh, what led up to you wanting to to go on to SAU? What led you from going patrol you fade know, man, and then being like, oh hell yeah, I didn't know shit about SWAT work, but I just knew when I became a SWAT, I went, or when I became an officer that I wanted to be a SWAT cop. Sure, right? Not that I knew shit about it, but that's what I wanted to do. Um, and uh, back then, and you know, most you know you. you those guys had around 10 years by the time they went to that unit. Um, 
And then when I went to the unit, now you start having guys with like four years on, you know, getting on the unit and, uh, cause we expanded and sure. this and that. And, uh, um, but I just always wanted to do that type of work. Now, when I went to what is now fade, right. Uh, I was enjoying the hell out of that. That was a lot of fun. Um, and we were kind of making our own way, trying to figure everything out. I was having a ball. So I kind of put off my, my goals to go into SAU for a bit and then said, okay, time to go so tested got on the unit and and was off from there yeah you know it's funny how your career will will sort of change from underneath you you go in thinking if you told me that i was going to be a special victims unit detective when i first became a cop right like, fuck no i'm not right um and then I've, I've had the chance to be a part of some pretty righteous cases where yeah. where really fucking horrific people are getting put in prison for oh, a yeah. really long time yep. and it, and that's just within six months i mean talk to me you know a year from now um but again, yeah, you never, you never really know. Have I would say to to new cops and chime in here, man. But like, have an idea of what you want to do, but be open to the the possibility of like, oh well, shit, I may actually like, you know, something may come across your 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 table where you're like, I can go do that right now. You know what? All right, fuck it. Like, I'm gonna go do that. Well, I think that's a good thing about police work, and I think the only other place that you can really do something like this would be nursing. Okay, where in police work. You can go from being a patrol officer to a property detective to a canine handler, which is wildly different, yeah. to a homicide detective, to a school resource officer. I mean, you know. And then you go back to patrol. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then back to patrol. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I remember there was a time in patrol, you know, where I was like, I'm having so much fun in patrol. Like, I'm never leaving patrol. This is the shit. Oh, my. God, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I think about patrol work now, I'm like, uh, you know, like no way, man. Like, I don't know. What, no what I got to do was actually way cooler. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have yeah. a, within the special assignments unit, did you have a specific specialty? I know you, you get onto SWAT, uh, you have like breachers and snipers and, and different, you know, different jobs. Dude, I, I was always an entry guy. Okay. Um, you know, I had different positions. Uh, you know, I spent probably most of my time as a point cover um sometime as a point guy i didn't really enjoy that quite as much um and then what we consider our, our two spot which is actually like our third dude in the stick and just how we you know used our call signs and sure that considered the two spot that was my favorite that was my favorite um i enjoyed that and as far as like my position kind of like in the unit so that's my position in the stick right so i was primarily an entry guy right um and we had our breachers and snipers and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then I ran our, I got to the point where I was on our CQB cadre, would put on all the CQB training for, for us and outside agencies and our internal customers, search warrant schools, stuff like that. And then I ended up running that, that cadre uh, my last few years. And uh, that was like the highlight of my career, you know, being able to do that and, and especially like right at right at the end of my career and then leave on a high note doing that. Sure. I feel like I affected some pretty good change there and, uh, and what they're doing with that now. Um, I feel like I set that, that training group up and gave them everything to, to do it right. And I'm, I'm out and I think they're doing an awesome job with it now. And then uh, CQB has it's, it's, it's own fucking science. You know, there's, there's a reason and a rhyme and, and shit's, I mean, did, when you started in SAU versus where you ended up, some agencies, you know, 
five, 10 years ago, everything was dynamic, fucking go, oh, go, dude. go. Oh, and now it's all like, okay, we're going to slow the way the fuck down and we're going to send a robot and then we're going to send a drone. Then maybe we'll think about sending a dog and then we're going to go in. Right. And it, it's going to take us an hour and a half to clear a 2000 square foot house. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, and the pros and cons to all of it. Right? Sure. Yeah. Now what I will say to all the listeners out there, quit chasing dope to the bathroom. Right. There's any SWAT guys listening right now. Don't chase dope to the bathroom, okay? Because when I first got to the unit, we were doing that. Um, and even when I would, when I was on the unit that would help our SAU out with warrants, you know, they'd be like, "Hey, can you guys cover the back? Maybe breach this window, kind of hold this." They're chasing dope to the bathroom, right? That was the big thing. Get them, get them before they can flush. You know that kind of thing. If if you need to get the dope to make the case, tell your detectives to work harder get a better case, all right? Because we're not chasing dope to the bathroom anymore. It's bad shit, right? Um, so, yeah, I look back at the CQB. When I say CQB, it's the, the team movement, how we push the team through a structure, sure. right? When I look at how we did CQB when I first got to the unit, <laughs> like, literally, it makes me fucking cringe, you know? Um, and, but that was the shit back then, right? Right? Um, so what was the big push forward, right? I look at how we shot and how we did CQB, and it makes me cringe, right? But no one knew any better, okay? But now, what was the, what was the big um, transition? And the transition was our special operations community had been at war for a long time now, right? And so probably around that 2009, 2010, now these dudes are coming out of that theater of war, and they're taking what they've learned and now teaching it. And who wants to learn? Cops. Yeah, cops, absolutely. And so we start going to some of these courses. And you can name you know, all the big names. You know, We're starting to learn how to shoot more effectively, um, shoot more accurately, faster, right? There's always that struggle, speed versus accuracy. And all of a sudden, all our new guys, man, all hot shit shooters, dude. And, and because we're learning from dudes that were like, this is what works, man, because we've been at war now for a yeah, while. Yeah, we went to know? Fallujah for three years, and this right, is what we found right. out. And CQB, big step fours in CQB. And, you know, we got to, you know, develop a pretty good relationship with, you know, one of the uh, tier one, you know, units out there. And, and they came out here quite a bit, so we'd kind of get in their shit a little mm -hmm. bit. Whys and hows and all that. And then we got invited back there and went back there for a while. And, you know... Some things apply, some things don't, because you're talking about military versus police, sure. right? Different rules. But a lot of things did apply, and we'd get together and um, pressure test it, and you know what can we adopt, and uh, and we just keep pushing forward. So what the guys are doing now is just outstanding. I mean, the, the skill set of you know I'm super proud of my unit, right? I still sure, am. Sure. And the skill set of your average guy now is 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 pretty legit. Good and and our top our top guys are are no shit hot shit operators. You know? I always appreciated. We just had our annual training not too long ago, and I always appreciate that the guys. I say guys. It's currently males, but I mean, there's that I'm sure will change at some point in time. Uh, uh, but the the SWAT dudes teaching us room clearing. Room clearing is a huge huge part of of CQB. Right. It is CQB. Yeah. Uh, but the the lessons that they learn again coming off of the the members of the military who spent years and years and years perfecting this or at least working out the kinks in is there a better 
testing environment and it, it's shitty to also think of it as a testing environment, but that's exactly what it is. I mean, you, you can either go through this and say, yeah, I don't want to think about that anymore. You can go through it and learn from it. Right. And so you look at these, these large scale urban assaults, uh, Basra, Fallujah, uh, primarily Iraq, but, but Afghanistan, from what I understand, I didn't, was never in the military, but from what I understand, had a few of those as well. Um, but they're coming back, like you said, and not only are they, yeah, they're starting their own training companies, but fuck, some of them are even becoming cops. Yeah. Right. And my hats off to them. Like yeah. you guys just gave everything and more for your country. And they're going to come back and do it for your community. Right. I mean, and, and then they're going to come out and teach people like me who I have no professional understanding of this whatsoever, because I, again, I've only been doing this for four years, dude. Like, I mean, I didn't really have any CQB training before I became a cop. I did pest control. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't clear rooms. Yeah. When I was a pest control technician. Yeah, right. Man. Like, yeah. um, but, but I always appreciated that, that these, you know, super knowledgeable dudes would be coming and being like, Hey, this is, this is why we're doing it. And this is how we're going to do it. And then if you fuck it up, we're going to tell you that you fucked it up, which, Hey, newsflash, if you're not a cop and thinking about becoming a cop, get some thick skin, you're going to need it. Um, but take the criticism and then go back and do it all over again. And we're going to yeah. keep, keep yep. fucking hammering at it until yeah. we get it right. Yeah. Always thought it was awesome. Yeah. I, uh, you know, towards the end of my career, teaching became, the thing I probably enjoyed most about the job, right? Teaching what I've learned through success and failure, right? Um, to dudes that want it and not my, not the the captive audience. Like I have to be here. Like, yeah. I'm not like oh, setting an in service yeah. training again. Yeah. I'm not I'm not training those dudes, right? I'm I'm training dudes that, that want this info um, because they're going to go out and do it. And I that became where I was getting my job satisfaction. You yeah. know, I had done enough search warrants and barricades and, you know, I mean, the, the street jumps and interdictions are always fun. I miss that. But, but you know, I had done those things. So my the, the real uh, um, satisfaction was from, you know, the teaching and passing it on just before I left. That was, that was the big one for me. And was it a lot of, uh, I mean, were you teaching SWAT or were you able to put on some of your own, like, uh, elective courses where you're getting, you know, the street level officers in? Um, so it was mostly working with, with our unit and, uh, and on top of that would be other, uh, agency units would send okay. some of their okay. dudes over and see how kind of we're doing business and adopt some things and, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff as well as, uh, you know, we put on some like basic search warrant schools for other entities within the department that do serve our lower level search warrants mm -hmm. and, try to pack as much in for those guys in two days as you can, you know, um, you know, not all of it's going to stick because you only got two days. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but trying, and then there's some dudes that, you know, you got them right. That they're hanging on your every word. They're trying, they're applying what you're telling them, that sort of thing. And that's where the satisfaction's at, man. Cause that dude's going to go out and he's going to kick ass. Yeah. You know, um, and he's going to make things safer for his team. Yeah. Right? Um, so, and then, uh, you know, as far as like patrol, dude, I, unfortunately being an SAU, I didn't have a whole lot of, uh, contact with patrol, um, a whole, not, not a whole lot of reach there other than just saying, Hey, the guys on scenes, you know, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but, uh, but that's what's nice about what I'm doing now. Um, you know, putting on training and stuff and that's for every cop, right? So now I'm mostly, I'm working mostly SWAT guys, but still you're getting some patrol guys that want to be on a SWAT team somewhere prepping to, to go to their SWAT team and they're jumping in 
my classes and yeah. stuff. So that, that's cool. Yeah. I, I maintain, especially in my position now, uh, cause I had two career girls, be a detective and get on to SWAT detective just happened to crop up first. So here I am. Um, but, uh, you know, I look at sometimes, uh, Hey, we're going to go out and arrest this dude or, Hey, we need to, Hey, we got to do a search warrant on this house. Is, is, uh, is SWAT available? Or is, is our, our, our fugitive apprehension unit available? Right. Cause they're all SWAT trained officers. Right. No, they're not available. So we got to go clear our own house. And there is a disconnect in, capabilities and oh, yeah. and levels of training because it's like well hey no i'm a detective i don't do that anymore fuck like like hell you don't do that anymore like Dude. you are still a cop you still have a gun on your hip and you need to know how to pie a room you need to know how to fucking clear a house because you may still you're not always going to have your awesome resources you're not always going to have uh sau or whatever your agency calls a swat team you're not always going to have the fugitive apprehension guys you're not always going to have right. all these resources sometimes the buck's going to stop with you and you need to not sit there, you know, like, Oh shit, how do you do this again? Like that should not ever happen, man. I, you know, I've been known to get up on my soapbox, right? Do it. And, that's what a uh, podcast is, bro. That's know, a soapbox. Gigantic soapbox. It's a gigantic soapbox. If you're going to do this career, right? If you're going to be a cop, right? You're, you're taking the oath to serve your community, the citizens of your community. And they, they pay you to be able to do certain things, right? When they call on you for help, they expect you to be able to help, right? Which means you need to be able to physically control another human being, at least for a minute until your other buddies show up, right? You need to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Can you do that? When is the last time you've actually like put yourself against another dude, just in a training atmosphere, right? And just gone at it for one straight minute right not many people do that because it's fucking exhausting oh yeah right especially if you don't have a skill set right you need to be able to shoot you need and i dude let's call it what it is most cops don't shoot very well no right? they don't and, and because they get their gun they go through the academy they shoot once they, a year they then they they shoot once a year they pass a qual course which is let's call it what it is it's very easy right and that's that and is shooting the most important part of police work? No, it's not, right? It, it doesn't happen that often in the grand scheme of things. You know, like, you know, what one hundredth of 1% of calls end up in a shooting, right? It's very, so it's not the most important thing of in police work until it's important. Yeah. And then it's the Then only, it is the most fucking important it's thing. It's the only thing that's the most important thing, right? So I, I tell guys, invest in your career, right? Like, first off, um, you, the citizens that pay you demand it, right? They demand it. They deserve it, right? Um, you know, they trust you to have the skill set to, to deal with it. They deserve that. You deserve it. Your family deserves it, you know? And, you know, I've been told that this is offensive, um, so I stopped saying it, especially in, in my own private company because I don't want to offend my, my customers, right? But I would say it when I was putting on training for... Uh, the police department said, you know, if, if you want to be the badass that your friends and family think you are, it takes work. You can't just put on a badge and throw the gun on your hip. And now you're a badass. Cause if you don't know how to shoot or fight a little bit, you're just a liability dude. You know, you're just a walking liability that, that some other cop is going to have to take care of. Right. Or you're going to throw that, that errant round and that thing's going to land somewhere where it 
was not intended, you know, or you're just going to completely fail altogether and the people that were counting on you or, or you get yourself hurt because you're not prepared and now your family, you know, has to go on without you. Yeah. Right. Or you probably even worse. Now they're pushing you on wheelchair and feeding your ass, you know, like I couldn't, that's, that's not on my to-do list. Fat, fate worse than death right there. Yeah. You know, so, uh, invest in your career. Like whether you're a case caring detective or you're a patrol officer or you're a SWAT guy, like violence will visit you at some point, you know, it, it, it will happen. Right. And you need to accept that and at least stay somewhat proficient with your skill sets, you know, and at least have the frame of mind. And, and most of the training isn't to spend time on the range, shooting at a paper target, shooting at a steel target, that kind of thing. It's the mindset. It's keeping your head in the game, staying switched on when you're out, you know, and, uh, and it's tough to be like that. It's exhausting, right? To be that switched on all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, it is, it's, uh, but dude, you know, it's a lifestyle, man. Yeah. It's a lifestyle. Absolutely. And you've managed to, uh, uh, in some, uh, fashion, maintain that lifestyle, uh, with, with true kinetics, which is how I ended up coming across you. Um, and uh, and shout out to uh, to Milmac Blades for for being like, hey, you should check this dude out. Oh, uh, Justin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, shout out to Justin. But um, what uh, walk us through true, true kinetics? What is what is it? True kinetics. So uh, you know, like I was telling you, man, I was really getting a lot of my job satisfaction in my last couple of years um, in the training aspect of things. Um, obviously, I obviously really enjoyed the operational stuff, but get a lot of satisfaction out of training. So. Started up my own training company right now as I was retiring um, with the intent on pretty much doing what I was doing, running the CQB cadre, right? I'm going to put on CQB schools, tactics-based courses, right? And it really just started developing very quickly into a lot more than just that. Um, I put on a, uh, I, I hooked up with uh, my buddy Chris Lepre down in Pinal County, um, who is a real authority on uh, night vision stuff and we linked up put on a cqb slash night vision course five-day course and class filled up and uh we were lucky enough to have uh surefire and eotech come out and support the class and um and it was very it was really good and you know it was great linking up with chris for that and uh he's become a very very good friend of mine and then i started realizing you know, why would I just put on CQB schools where I'm, I'm the one teaching? I have so many resources, guys that are so good at other entities. I'll have them put on courses, right? Pay them really well and offer a wider variety of courses, right? And, um, you know, for instance, um, you know, two of my snipers, right? Put on a uh, vehicle sniper hide course. We've done that, you know, here, Tucson, Texas. We're going back out to Texas to do that one. It's a very niche tactic mm-hmm. that not many snipers use that we use all the time in Phoenix. It's unique and it is a force multiplier and there's a lot more to it than just putting a sniper in a car, right? Um, you know, which is what the, the name of it right. in, entail, right? There's a lot more, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, field craft that goes into that, right? Um, you know, the low power variable optics on carbines now is a big thing. Um, and 
I, I believe that increases the capability of the rifle in a patrol guy's hands um, tenfold. Right. Well, in Phoenix, just not too long ago, oh, dropped a dude with a with a low power variable optic, and he had I think he had kidnapped somebody or I, had a kid. Yeah, had, had a kid. kid. In his arms. Yeah, thirty three yard shot. So not a far shot. Right. That's an easy shot with a carbine. Or it was just over th- maybe forty three, something like that. But you know, within just basic red dot, you know, sure. that's an easy shot. But the guy's holding a kid up around his head, right, and then he's lowering him at intervals and stuff, and you see that. <laughs> I don't know the officer's name. Um, but if you're listening to this, beer's on me. Um, you heard it here. I will give you a clip of this yes. just to make sure that whenever you, you find beer. whenever you find Dave, you would just hit play. <laughs> yeah, beer's on me, brother. Uh, well done. Um, you see that officer hop out, grabs his carbine, and he dials that bitch up to whatever power, and one and done, man. And it was quick. And it was it. it and he's even the one that went up and recovered the kid. You know, I mean, this is. You know, the, the tactical gods, you know, yeah. smiled on him that day. I mean, how perfect and, you know, not not to take the, the performance away from him. You know what I mean? I mean, he, he did a great job. But, yeah, that put the low-power variable optic on the map because everyone's talking about that Phoenix shooter. Right. Um, so I have a couple of instructors that are hot shit shooters, phenomenal instructors. I'm like, hey, why don't you put on a low-power variable optic course for me? I'll pay you very well. EOTech came out, supported the class. For guys that don't have optics, supplied optics for them. Oh, shit. And mounts. And it was fantastic. We're doing another one here in just uh, in, in September, right? Um, so l- little stuff like that. I got a couple guys doing a combative class for me uh, later next month. Um, you know, could I teach that class? Yeah. They're better than me at it, though. You know, and you got to recognize that. Like, I could do it. But they're going to be better. Why I not, got my face smeared them? by a Phoenix SWAT dude in the academy yeah. for combative. So I, yeah. I, have, I have all sorts of faith that oh, you'd yeah. be just as capable. Yeah. So that was either Mike Malpass. That's exactly yeah, who it there was. There you go. Mike Gay. <laughs> Mikey's probably going to I'm hear pretty this. sure that my teeth are still yeah. out of alignment, but oh well. <laughs> Mike has forgotten more about combatives so that, than I'll ever know. Um, but, I think uh, each and every one of us just about shit ourselves when he walked in the room. We're like, holy fuck, we're all going to die yeah, from this guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely unique. But uh, and, and I got a couple other guys that are that are outstanding as well and great instructors. And, you know, so uh, so I'm realizing I have other guys to call on to to get really great information and training out there to guys. And I can provide, it, you know, and uh, and so if I can if I can be the conduit for that. Awesome. Um, and and of course. My bread and butter is the CQB stuff um, and uh, and HR and the street jump, vehicle interdiction stuff, Mm -hmm. vehicle assaults. You know, those that's all my wheelhouse that I run. And then the guys that are better at individual skill sets like the LPVO stuff, like the vehicle sniper hides, like combatives. I have those guys do it, you know. And, uh, and obviously for CQB, I use a lot of assistance structures sure. to help me out. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going well. Um, got really great from support from especially EOTech, um, and then Surefire and, you know, like, and how that happened is just dumb luck, man. I just, you know, I'm still surprised that EOTech's helping me out the way they are. Like, well, I think it says something know? about your, your skills and capabilities as an instructor, because right. I don't think you get companies like Surefire and EOTech, these major players, uh, across the, you know, firearms industry as a whole i don't like fire like yeah i guess as the fire tactical right i don't know how to not sound like an asshole saying that but like i i don't think that they just put their names behind 
anybody, right? right? So, I mean, kudos to you for for being able to to get these companies to to support you, and and even more um, for you to not say like, no, I'm I'm Dave Norman. Hear me roar! I'm going to teach everything across the board. Like, hey, this dude's a way better sniper than me, so I'm going to have him teach. Oh yeah, yeah. like I the most probably the the most. Uh, I know there's there's one lieutenant in particular uh, uh, that I've I've worked with. And, uh, um, I wasn't on the call, but there was a night, he's not a, a tactical guy. Uh, he's a computer guy and it was a tactical situation. And he looked at a, uh, my agency, our SWAT guys are SWAT's not a, a, a full-time job for them. And he turned and looked at a SWAT dude and was like, I'm going to give you tactical command because you have a better knowledge of this than I do. And everybody was fucking floored. Like, dude, good for you. That's leadership. That's, that's fucking leadership right that's there. Leadership right there, man. And, and I don't. I mean, I don't know if you, uh, is that something that's taught? Is that something that's inherent? I like maybe a little bit of both. Um, but no, dude, I mean, kudos to you. Where, uh, uh, what do you got coming up as far as training? Now you said you're going back to Texas. What else you got? Um, so uh, we got the LPVO course in uh, September, mid-September. I got the combatives course, um, August 30th. And then um, in the first week of November, um, I'm hooking up again with my boy, Chris LaPree down in Pinal County, and we're going to put on a course. Um, not ready to put it out yet, sure. you know, but it's going to be a very unique skill set type course that's very uh, applicable for, you know, the environment this day and age. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty outrageous. It's going to be uh, um, a heavy medical aspect to it, um, heavy tactical kind of personnel recovery type stuff. Um, we're looking forward to that. That's going to be Good. fun. I, and I believe Surefire is going to be coming out for that one. Nice. Um, helping us out a little bit. So got that going. And then um, trying to find another, you know, another place to fit in a CQB school. I keep getting asked. But the problem with CQB, put on a CQB course, it is uh, it is very venue dependent. Sure. Right? Um, I don't just want to go to a shoot house and put on four or five days of training in that shoot house because you end up teaching dance steps on how to clear that shoot house, right? Um, I like to be able to pressure test the concepts, right? And so I like to use a variety, about five different venues, right? And uh, in one of those venues, I like to be able to have some live breaching in, um, be explosive or manual breaching, whatever that, you know, agency that is hosting is right. has the capability of some agencies don't have the capability of explosive breaching. Um, so then being able to coordinate all those different venues and a venue that I can destroy. Right. So that's tough. I have some good, really great contacts within the community still. Um, so I know when a, a, a decent property is going to get demoed so I can get in there and, yeah. and do our thing. Um, so it's just very venue dependent and, you know, I got the other job going right now too. So I got to, I'm trying to juggle them both, you know? Gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah. And is it all, is it all live fire? Do you work in any of these new fancy fucking computer systems coming out or, uh, you know, man, I, years ago we played with one of those, you know, virtual reality kind mm -hmm. of ones. Um, maybe the technology is caught up now. I don't know. Um, but my CQB school, yeah, there's a live fire aspect to it, but, but live fire, I mean, it's a, it's a short aspect. You know, I don't, we don't need to do a ton of live fire. It's not about shooting. It's not a shooting school. It's a movement school. It's a tactics school, right? And so a lot of it can be done dry. And then, of course, we move over to Sims, um, get some role players in, like legit role players, not like, not like oh, you robotic. Shot me. Yeah. yeah, I'm hiding in the corner. You know, like 
I, I want them to go against guys that don't want to get hit, you know, that kind yeah. of thing, you know, to really pressure test it. Like, does this work, you know, or is this garbage and you don't want to use it? You know, it's, uh, um, but yeah, so definitely go by like a, the crawl, walk, run, but by day three and a half, we're running. Yeah. We're running. And then you're not stopping. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I'll find a place for that. Um, probably sometime late fall, early winter. You know, somewhere in there. All right. Yeah. Did did starting True Kinetics, did that, were you already thinking about retiring? I mean, you did 23. So you hit your 20 and you kept going. Were, I mean, were you already thinking about retiring and then True Kinetics took off? Or was it was was it like, ah, I'm going to continue? What led to, to you deciding to go full bore into your company? So um, I knew I wanted to do some sort of training when I retired. Um, and I thought it would just kind of be like a little kind of a side thing. Yeah, and I should sure. do some classes here and there. And you know, maybe even do some uh, civilian, you know, firearm stuff. You know, I, I really didn't want to do a whole lot of firearm stuff because it's a very saturated market, right? There's a lot of dudes teaching people how to put a dot on a target, right? pull the trigger, you know, and, and a lot of good guys out there, but there's a lot of garbage out there too, you know, but... Uh, They're on YouTube. You can check it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so I didn't know how busy I would get with the company or I thought I just figured it'd be kind of a little side thing that I would do. Um, but I was also, I was also, I also retired because I knew I had a, a contract job waiting for me, you know, with department of defense. And, um, I retired and security clearance still hasn't gone through and COVID is fucking everything up. Right. And I'm like, Ooh, this might not happen. Right. And I told my wife, we need to make true kinetics work and pay the bills. So started really putting everything into that. The ball starts rolling and get some good support by some big companies and some successful classes. And, uh, and then the phone rings, my security clearance went through, you know, and now I got the deal. Hey, your ticket's job. waiting for yeah. you. You're supposed to be on a fucking plane yeah. three hours I'm ago. Like, I'm like, like, Oh, thanks oh, state man. You know, I'm like, this is, I mean, it's fantastic. Um, but I can do both. I can do both. Um, the, the DOD thing is not a full-time job. Um, and, uh, and neither is true kinetics, right? Um, it's not something I go to work every day at an office and I'm put on training sure. or something like that. Right. 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 It's I, I'm putting on courses when I, when they fit and when I can fill them and that sort of thing. And, uh, um, so I, I think I can do both and I feel like I'm busier now, you know, between kids, true kinetics and the contract stuff. Um, I feel like I'm busier now than when I was a cop. And I'm like, wait a second, man, I'm retired. Yeah. I'm supposed to be like on the floaty in my pool right now. You know? Hanging but, out, drinking my, but my dude, sixth Mai Tai. Yeah. I don't think that's happened <laughs> once since I retired, you know, like, you know, I blame most of that on the kids. <laughs> Damn. Hey, amen to that. I, yeah. And I handed it to you right when, uh, when Dave was actually very patient, I was, I was a little late getting back to, uh, I record this out of my own house and, uh, I was late getting back with my wife and kid, uh, and, and Dave's got two kids and I only have one and, and hats off to anybody who's got hat. Well, Hey, if you got one kid and you're doing a good job, then Hey, good yeah. for you. But if you got more than one kid, Oh my God, I have no idea how you oh, do it. Man. Yeah. With, I was joking with my wife. Hey, let's go for a third. And she shot me a look. I'm like, all right. Like that. Just, nope. Please kidding. don't kill me. Yeah. Nope. No. Nope. Just, just kidding. Just I, uh, kidding. I had a buddy of mine. He and his wife went for their third and ended up with twins. Oh, well, whoops. Yeah. So there it happens with the, go. I'm curious, man, not to take up too much more of your time with the, with the DOD contracting. Um, 
if it's in, and I don't want to get into anything I'm not supposed to, I don't want anybody, you know, like walking into my house with a suppressed pistol tonight because yeah. you've told me too much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he laughs. He's the guy with the suppressed pistol. Um, if it's in some sort of like team function, is there a pissing match between the former military guys and the, and the cops? So, cause I know it's all gotta be pretty alpha, pretty type I, a, I, I just started. Um, and you know, just did my first trip and you know, so, all right. So first off, I don't want to sound like a total douche by like beating around the bush so much that no one knows what I'm doing. I, I'll just say that I'm, I'm an instructor for, I'm a independent contractor. I'm an instructor for the DOD. Okay. Right? Like, so no, I am not out whacking high value targets in Yemen. Right. right. That's, that's that. So I don't <laughs> want to know like GRS or yeah, like that. Doing yeah, it. Okay. yeah. I don't want people to think that that's, that's what I'm doing. It's not, I, I, although I am doing a very, very fucking cool job. Um, it's not that. Um, I will tell you that the the other instructors that I'm working with, everybody was somebody, um, be it military or law enforcement sure. capacity. Most most military special operations kind of kind of stuff. Um, and I, I'm walking amongst giants, um, and it's cool as shit. And we're all retired, right? right? So it's not like you know we were dudes that did cool shit, you know, and now we're doing this. And, uh, I was welcomed with open arms. Everybody's super cool. Um, like no complaints whatsoever, man. It's, it's my first trip was kick ass and, you know, get ready to go again. And, uh, yeah, so I'm dude, I am incredibly fortunate to get that job. There's definitely a Phoenix SAU connection there. Okay. Um, that is kind of crazy. And, and it is my full intention to, once I'm there for a while, and some of my boys are getting close to retirement to do that reach out as well. Yeah. Um, and kind of keep that going. Cause you know, I got guys that are talented enough to do this job. Well, sure. it continues to give you a purpose, right? I mean, you're not going to take these, these dudes that were trained up to, to this level and then expect them to wear fucking Bermuda shorts and a Hawaiian shirt and yeah. flip flops every day. Cause that's yeah. not who that's not who that is. There are people who will do that yeah. and Hey, go for it. Yep. Right. More power too. But there are people who are simply not built for that. When you're running that hard, like the SAU guys are. And by the way, I, their, their tempo my last few years, I don't think it's sustainable, right? Either expand the unit or start having other entities do more, other entities on the department do more. Because the, the pace where we were running the last several years is not sustainable. You're going to wear dudes out and get guys hurt and that kind of thing. Um, not because we're doing unsafe shit. It's just you're rolling the dice that much, right? right? Um, you can't, things, you and, can't go a million miles an hour with your hair on fire day right. in and day out. And, and things are getting more and more violent out there. And although our tactics are outstanding, bad guy gets a vote, you know? So, uh, so there's that. Um, I have no idea where I was going with that, by the way. Thank you for the bourbon. Um, <laughs> we, but, when I say we finished a bottle of angels, I mean, but, uh, I, I grabbed this bottle. I was like, yeah, this is going to, hey, there's still a little bit left. Ah, fuck it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, was a good, it was a good glass. But, uh, um, but yeah, so you can't do that job and then just stop, right? Like you, you, you can't just quit cold turkey, right? You're going to have some withdrawals, right? Right. right. You, there's got to be, there's, there's got to be like some methadone in there somewhere, you know, it's got to be, uh, you know, you got to ease out of it. Um, a lot of guys will like go to the academy, um, and be a fire instructor their last few years, you know, that we're starting to see a little bit of that. Um, but for the most part, man, guys are just retired. Right. And, uh, we just had one of our guys that has been involved in, some outrageous shit 
right? And he did like 30-something years, and he just retired. Boom, done. Yeah. I worry, dude. Like, he's going to struggle. Yeah. Right? Because all of a sudden, something big is missing, right? Um, so it's not like everyone thinks, oh, I'm just going to retire and be on the pool floating yeah, and exactly. doing my ties. But but it, it never really works out that way. Um, and there there's a... Uh, um, there's a void that needs filled. Yeah. You know, I just ran into one of our SWAT guys who just retired. I mean, maybe a month ago. Oh yeah. I literally think I saw him last week. Yeah. Like, Dude, how's retirement going? He goes, it fucking sucks. Uh, I'm like, Oh, well I'm in the middle of training, wow. but I feel yeah. like I should sit and talk to you for a little while, but I got to yeah. go <laughs> like, yeah. fuck dude. I'm, so, I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah. yeah. So, well, Hey, good, good on you, man, for, for keeping it going. And, and for certainly for sh- sharing your knowledge, I think that again, uh, defines, uh, leadership and just shows that you give a shit um, in the and that you're willing to share that that knowledge and the skill set with people who want to learn. That's the other the other half of that is that the people are there because they want to be there, not because is in every police training. Uh, and I've started to see it more, but in every police training, there there's people who are there because they were told to be there. Right. And I'm starting to see instructors be like, who's here because they want to be here. And it's maybe 50% right. of the class. Right. And that's why I asked earlier about uh, like if it's elective training, because all those people chose to be in that class. Right. Like they, they wanted it. Right. That's what's nice about running my own company. Like people are paying to come get this knowledge to right. come get this training. Right. And, uh, so you have a very, very motivated student and, uh, and it's, it's motivating, you know, it's, uh, it's inspiring to me and I want to give them the absolute best of what I have to offer, you know, because my skill set, let's face it, man, I'm not operational anymore. Right. So I have a shelf life now, right now I keep up a good skill set, my other job. Um, but eventually I'm going to get old. Right. And my skill set is not going to be applicable anymore and they need to go find training from somebody else. But from right for now, I have the shit that's right. going to help them, you know, and I'm willing to give it. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. How do people, uh, um, and it, it's, uh, trainings for, for law enforcement, correct? Right. Okay. Uh, and how do cops go and find your training? So I got a website, um, treekinetics.com. Um, big thing is Instagram, man. I'm very new to the social media game. Uh, so it's tough for me. My, my wife yells at me cause I'm not posting stuff as often as I should. Oh, there's you like know? a whole fucking science to it. There's, oh, I dude. swear there are college courses on how to like levy so, social media. Yeah. There's like an to algorithm. Your business. Like yeah. you, you can hit like an algorithm. I, I don't have the energy for it. And, you know, dude, I'm I'm going to be 49 here soon. Like, this shit is almost past me. Dude, know? I'm 30. I don't fucking understand it yeah, either. So. Yeah. so, you know, so I, uh, I I try to keep up a little bit. But Instagram's one. And then, uh, and then I just put out flyers to, like, the different training reps and ATOA and uh, TTPOA, um, you know, some of those organizations, and just kind of get it out there. And, and honestly, man, a lot of it is word of mouth. Sure. Um, you know, hopefully some dudes go through my class, um, whatever course it is, dig it, tell their buddies and, uh, um, you know, hopefully business grows like that. Yeah. Are you, are you getting to go? I mean, so for those of you not like TTPOA, the Texas tactical police office association, ATOA, well, Arizona, I think Arkansas and Alabama, I think, I think are all the same, you know, any state, um, but, uh, and then NTOA, the National Tactical Officers Association. Are you getting to go back to those conferences? And, and, and so I went to TPOA. Okay. Um, and man, they run a conference Ooh, that, that top notch right there. Um, I would say, like, that is the next to shot show. I'd say that's like one of the biggest, aside from all the hunting stuff at Chico, right, you know, right, right. That's probably one of the biggest, um, 
you know, vendor conferences out there. Well, it's um, awesome. It's good. It was, it's high level like that. Yeah, it was, it was huge. They do it right. TTPOA, man, big shout out to those guys. And they really support their SWAT community um, big time. And the training those guys offer, I mean, you can take a badass class once a month if you want to from like some high name, you know, no shit, legit, credible dudes. And uh, so good on them. You know, they're, they're great. And, and hopefully I can do uh, some more courses for them, you know? Good. Yeah. Where's uh, uh, five years from now, where, where do you think True Kinetics is going to be? What's your goal? Oh, man, five years from now, I would like to have a, a huge variety of courses, everything from surveillance to the CQB schools and even like, you know, SWAT prep kind of courses and everything in between um, where I'm running some of my more flagship courses and I have all my boys who um, are incredibly good at what they do, being able to put on their courses under, under my flag and, uh, and get them some good supplemental income while they're at it, Yeah, heck yeah. you know, outside of, uh, you know, their, their daily. You know, that, that's, that's what I hope to do. Good. Um, so we'll see. So we'll you see, take man. that. I mean, you worked for, you worked with a team and now you're wanting to take that team mindset and aspect with you oh, yeah. into the future, which oh, yeah. is fucking awesome. Absolutely. Uh, well, shit, man, we're winding down. Uh, I think we've covered just about everything. We didn't, we didn't even go down that many rabbit holes. Dude. I'm going to need to feed you more bourbon and yeah. we'll, go, we'll yeah. go down a few yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. Next time we'll, we'll talk more about the Kennedy assassination. Oh, yeah. Let's go down that conspiracy. Yeah. I, I had a, a Andrew uh, from uh, Austere Tac met on and he and I, I think we spent like 35 minutes talking about the Doolittle raid on Tokyo in World War II. Yeah. Every now and then, man, you got to go, you got to go down the rabbit hole because it's fun. You never yeah. know where you're going it, to yeah, choose man. your own adventure yeah. story, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you got me talking about, God, man ancestry and yeah you know that wow cool yeah good conversation dude. it was it was a hell of a awesome conversation you i appreciate you reaching out to me hey and i appreciate you coming out uh, oh yeah uh good thing you don't live that far away which is awesome i uh, yeah, hope man. to keep in touch with you and, and and stay connected as as the years go by man as as time slowly and inevitably marches forward uh my last question to you uh, uh you got a microphone to the world what does the world need to hear from dave norman Dude, I think we touched on it actually already. Um, I think that the majority of your audience is law enforcement or wants to be law enforcement. Yep. Yeah. The training that you are provided meets a minimum standard. You need to invest in your career um, to become more proficient um, and you owe it to your community and your family and yourself uh get training be good do good work yeah yeah you're uh um with the exception of a few agencies um your training uh it you are checking boxes so that yep. the department can say nope we taught them this right they, they sat through this four-hour class yep. um that's all that it is there yep. for right, wrong, or indifferent, it's in place for a reason, right? It's part of the bureaucracy. It's part of the red tape. It's part of working for the government. Yep. Um, but no, by all means, I, I wholeheartedly second that. Get your ass out there. Find some training. Yep. Um, if if you want to go into investigations, learn how to be a better detective and, right. and start taking courses. If you want to uh, be a fucking badass proactive patrol cop, even in a, in a 
day and age where it's getting more and more challenging to be proactive, uh, get out. Fuck, take a case law class so that you yeah. can sit there on the stand and say, articulate no, this is what you articulate did. what you did. And this is why I did it. And this is why I'm allowed to do what I did. You know, and uh, uh, you, you know, you still run across uh, cops who don't know about like Terry v. Ohio and, and all these right. landmark Supreme Court cases, man. Right. So, um, uh, you know, whatever the case, and if you want to be on SWAT, find yourself some sort of pipeline training course, yep. whatever the case may be, you know, get out, learn how to shoot a gun, learn how to run that much faster, shave a few seconds off yep. your, your two mile time or whatever the There's case may no be. There's no excuse. It's out there. Yeah. The it's training's all there. there. There's a lot of guys that want to offer it and you're right. Be, be it tactical, be it physical fitness, be it investigations, right? It's, it's out there. The information is out there. There's dudes that want to give it. You just got to want it, go find it, get it. Yeah, absolutely. So, there you go. Well, uh, I got nothing else, man. Um, if you, uh, you're listening to this one, get on Instagram, uh, go, go follow along with what Dave's got going on. True kinetics. Um, is it just at true kinetics? Yep. Okay. Yeah. T-R-U. At true kinetics, true TRU, uh, and then kinetics. Um, and I think that's all we got, man. Again, it's been a hell of an episode. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself, Dave. I hope you've had a good time. I have, man. Uh, Thank hey, you much. Hey, absolutely, brother. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, well, uh, There's going to be another episode signing off, guys. Got a few more episodes in the work, and then I'm also bringing in the Cops Wives Club. So we're, I'm going to have, uh, I got to buy some more microphones, and I've got to prepare myself and drink more <laughs> bourbon. But I'm bringing on a whole bunch of wives. Oh, man. Um, or I shouldn't say spouses. It's currently the cops wives club. It's a play on the astronaut wives club, uh, from back in the sixties. But, uh, that is an episode that I'm working on right now. And then, uh, we're also going to be diving into the history of law enforcement, uh, uh, going back to the Bow street runners, uh, out in London and, and Sir Robert Peel. And then we're going to get into, uh, the wild and woolly, uh, history of law enforcement, uh, just going forward there. I'm also working on doing those episodes as well. So stay tuned, stay safe, and I'll see you on the road.